Welcome to the Aether Talk Podcast. I am your host, Tom. Blinded Light 09. And today with me, I have a full couch this time. Uh, going from left to right, as always, I have with me Mr. Second Chansu. Hi, I don't look like this still. Miss Phazed Owo. Mr. Open Insanity, a.k.a. Xander. What up, y'all? And I'm a hunting 13. Hello. He's a cat boy <laughs> here, but he's a wolf boy in real life. He's a wolf Thank boy you. in our hearts. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's because Final Fantasy doesn't have wolf boys yet, and maybe they will one day. The acknowledgement is there. The acknowledgement <laughs> is there. Yeah. We certainly so, tried. Yeah. <laughs> So, how is everyone today? I am okay. (laughs) I am tired. I'm ready to take a nap. Well, uh, I hope you're ready to uh, fucking debate, because that's what we're doing today. We're getting mad, we're getting angry. We're fucking and debating? Yes. No. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly my ass clenched. Best part it's, is, I'm the judge. You're judging, you're letting us know how good we fuck and debate. I was about to say, um, what are you good debating? Luck. No. <laughs> no, so uh, she's going to be rating us on, um, uh, based on how well we argue, as well as our technique. Um, she's just going to watch us and uh, let us know how good we do. That's hot. Yeah. Uh, so before we get into debates, uh, I figured there could be a few things we could discuss. Uh, and there's one thing in particular that I, I feel like would be kind of funny to talk about. Um, Is it another controversy? Uh, kind of, but I feel like you guys would be interested in this conversation. Um, so recently, uh, Mario has actually taken Bowser across his knee and like clapped his cheeks really, really bad. Um, and what uh, I, what, uh. what I actually, what I actually mean is that there's a dude named Gary Bowser who, uh, got arrested or not. Yeah. He got arrested for, uh, uh, selling hacked Nintendo stuff. And I kid you not, his name uh, is actually, uh. his last name is actually Bowser. This was in 2020. He recently got out of jail for good behavior. Um, you know, what makes that crazier? Uh, the fact that they hired someone named Bowser as well. Oh no the the president of Nintendo his his last name is Bowser too or Nintendo yeah. America yeah, the guy that's that took Reggie's place. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, so uh, Bowser took Bowser across his uh, across his knee and slapped his b- cheek silly. The sad thing is, there's probably some kind of porn video of that. I would not be surprised. Um, Bowser and Bowser. N- Absolutely. Like, no, no question. Yeah. So, Even though it makes no fucking sense, it exists. I guarantee it. 100%. Rule yeah. 34, baby. <laughs> so, Gary Bowser is now out of prison uh, after two years. And uh, Nintendo basically is uh, having him pay uh, 30% of any future wages to them for the rest of his life. 
Okay, first Jesus Christ. Yeah. You sure you didn't get the freaking Yakuza division of that? <laughs> I hope he makes some fucking money, because if he doesn't, he's fucked. So, he actually has, like, a set amount that he has to pay for. The unfortunate part is that he's, like, 80-something, so he's uh, he's not long for this world. So, let me see if I get this straight. They decided to say, okay, jail time wasn't good enough. We got to sit there and make you pay this large amount of money. We know you're going to die at some point. We're just going to make you pay it anyway just to sit there and prove a point to the rest of the world not to fuck with Nintendo. Yeah. That sounds like Nintendo to me. <laughs> now, Jeez. like, I am in favor of punishing him for what he did because I think, you know, hacking consoles and selling them on an open market is a no-no. I am generally okay with emulation and shit like that, but he definitely crossed the line. I, I just don't think that... Uh, First of all, the the thing that he he owes is like fourteen point five million dollars. I don't think that is fitting for the crime he committed. Man, you'd have to depends be on how much money he made. It does <laughs> depend on how much money he made from the crack consoles, and how much money he made Nintendo lose because of the crack consoles. There's also that factor that you have to look at. If they are a hacked console and it's hacked in a certain way where they can download some games from the Nintendo market for free, Nintendo's losing more money than that guy made. Yeah, that's true. I, I just can't oh, imagine... that specific... Oh, I was going to say, with that specific uh, mentality, we really couldn't tell because we don't have any specified information. I think that information is out there somewhere. At least there's... Um... What's the word? It has oh. to exist because every console has its own unique serial number. And then if they look at the serial number and find out that that serial number is being like the one that's getting certain games and it looks fishy in their system, they can probably track it down. Like we don't have that information, but Nintendo would. Yeah, yeah, Nintendo saying. definitely would, but we as just people hearing about this probably wouldn't have that info. So for me, you know not knowing how much money Nintendo lost versus how much he gained, uh, gained from these illegal sales, that's anybody's... That's Joe Blow's guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I I don't know. I, I feel like if Nintendo didn't get damaged by $14 million, if anything, maybe they did. I don't know. I just feel like that taking 30% of his money for the rest of his life just isn't really that fair. Maybe they should have just kept him in prison. <laughs> it's hard to say. Well, what bothers me is the fact that I don't think that Bill's just going to sit there and disappear whenever he passes. What worries me is that, oh, by the way, your uh, grandpa sat there and did some shady illegal shit. Now we're going to float the bill to you until it is paid. Okay. Oh, so. Um, I don't think they can legally do that. In America, it depends it on where you live. In America, that's in America. You can't do that. And actually, he's fifty-one, not eighty, like I thought. Uh, either oh. way, but uh, so in America, there's actually laws against like generational debt. Uh, so like, if your dad accrued a lot of debt, it wouldn't pass down to you because he died. Uh, so you would. Be yeah, free if of they that. were gonna let any debt pass down to you whenever somebody died, it's gonna be medical debt, and they don't even allow that. So. 
Yeah. Uh, the problem is, is that he's Canada. He's Canadian. I have no idea how that affects him. Well, that does change things. Yeah. <laughs> but we I don't, don't know. know how or how much. Well, uh, he so. doesn't have rights. I think that's how Canada works. No rights yeah. at all. Well, yeah, to be no. fair, the currency is Lawless called Looney's and Tooties. They only get I lefts. Mean, <laughs> the tiny exasperated sigh is all I ever needed. <laughs> he don't live in freedom let nation, so he can't be free. Uh, so Bowser claims he made thirty three hundred and twenty thousand dollars over the course of seven years, which is significantly less than his fines. Uh, and yeah. Another- Another thing to keep in mind is that he wasn't working alone. He was actually a part of a whole S team. But he's the only an one that's getting stricken this hard. Yeah, an S team. Well, I so... One of those. <laughs> so, yeah, that's Guess my... You work uh... on your glutes. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I'm sorry. Completely I, I ignore nothing. my fucking joke. No, I, I I said you work on your glutes, like step one. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Step two, pose and model. Get pose out there. And model. But Sanders gonna be working out here soon, so he's gonna be doing that too. I know. He's gonna be ripped. R I P D. Yeah, that'd be nice. But no, I'm looking more like uh, just toning myself up. At least losing a little bit of weight. Maybe then I'll sit there and jack myself up to where wearing a freaking uh, Doomslayer helmet doesn't look so out of place. But we'll get to that bridge when we cross it. And if you start looking like Doomslayer, I'd be very impressed. <laughs> Chicken, man. Chicken all the way. Hi. <laughs> Chicken. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah. One of the uh, classic techniques you'll hear actors say of getting like uh, when what they're eating to get in shape: a lot of chicken. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know about that. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. <laughs> what is it with chicken? Is there like something in the chicken that helps with building muscle? I think so. I think it's like high in protein it's or something like that. Yeah, it's it's got it's no carbs and it's high in protein. High yeah, protein, low in fat. fat. That thing. makes sense. Okay. I don't know. I'm not a nutritionist, so I'll have to ask a, a trainer or something like that. Well, I guarantee you they don't have trainers at a, <laughs> at Planet Fitness. Unfortunately. I wasn't... Yeah. I feel like if anyone would know, it's uh, Caroline. I feel like, like, didn't she do bodylifting for a while? Or yeah, bodybuilding? Yeah, she Probably. Bodylifting. Bodylifting. I, I lift my body every day. That's usually when I get out of bed, though. Me too. And some days it's fucking heavy. <laughs> That's every day for me. I never want to get out of bed in the morning. I mean, oh. me neither. I get out of bed, I go do my morning shit, and then I go get back in bed until I have to leave. Nice. And that is true. You can ask Vic. Lately, I've been getting I've been getting out of bed like ten minutes before I have to be out the door, so I don't have the <laughs> have the ability to do that. Yeah, I still set my clock an hour before, so 
Yeah, mine is set thirty minutes before, but I, uh, I, I, I sleep. I sleep. Let me tell you, having to wake up at four in the morning is rough. I believe it. Waking up at six fifteen in the morning is bad enough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get I to sleep to in tomorrow. So do I. <gasps> well, congratulations, you two. I'm really excited. I'm not. I'm, I'm going to be well up at normal time anyway, just because of the fact is I have this uncanny ability to wake up before my alarm ever goes off. I have not actually oh. heard my alarm go off in a year. Impressive. <laughs> I wake up before my alarm, but then I go back to sleep. <laughs> Uh, so I'm looking at some upcoming game releases, and I see that Jedi Survivor is coming out on the 28th. Is anyone seeing playing that one at all? Um, I'm like half interested. It's not something that I actually super want to play. I really want to play Makes the sense. first one. Yeah. I really want to play, play the one first now? one. The first one. Wait, you want to play what? Uh, Star Wars Jedi, uh, the one with the ginger. Oh, one with Cal. Yeah, not Jedi Survivor prequel. Mm. Fallen Order. Fallen Order. That's the one. There you go. It's where that they're calling this one Jedi Survivor, and it has nothing to do with Jedi Outcast. You yeah, know how was... you become a Jedi survivor? You hide. Oh. <laughs> That's stupid. It's true. Like, every Jedi that survived the fucking attack, they just hid. They hid, or, yeah, they just... It, it's impressive how they're like, oh, we killed all the Jedis, but there's all these survivors. Yeah, I know. That's something that I really never cared about is the fact that they keep on saying, oh, they're all gone, every single one of them, but yet I keep finding ones cropping up around episode four. Yeah, that's what a fucking... Um, that one Star Wars game that came out on the 360 a while back was about, right? Finding the remaining survivors. Uh, what was that Yeah, one? you were literally... Uh, Force Unleashed? Be... Force Unleashed, that's it. Yeah. I played that it. on Wii... I played both on the 360. Nice. Uh, Force Unleashed 2 gets a bad rap, but I actually had a lot of fun with it. The only problem I really had with the game was how short the story was, and it ended on a cliffhanger that never got any resolution. Do you think maybe we were supposed to get a third one that we never got? Oh, I know we were supposed to get a third one. It was in development, but it got shut down. Damn. Um, another thing that I heard about was that there's a mod for Star Wars Jedi Outcast 2 that allows it to be played in VR, and apparently it's actually better, like a better experience than a official Star Wars VR game that came out. Hey, I mean, fans have been tinkering with this shit a lot longer than most of us have been alive, so. Yeah. I don't know if I have Jedi Outcast 2, but I might get it just to try that out, because that sounds fun. I definitely would have to give it a shot. I grew up playing the game, so naturally I would have some kind of investment into it. Oh, of course. 
I just wish they would have done that for Jedi Academy because I love Jedi Academy. Uh, so, seeing as how we have, like, I think I've counted six debates ahead of us, it might be a good idea to get started on the debates. Yeah, go I'm ahead. here to debate. To master debate. Uh, let me pull up my uh, debate list. All right. Um, and I don't. Uh, we we don't have to start in any particular order, but our topics today will be uh, chance versus hunter, paladins or valor. Which game is better? Uh, chance versus open insanity. Which Pokemon generation is best? Uh, chance versus. And there's myself. only one correct answer. Hope you pick the right one, Xander. Uh, oh boy. Chance versus myself, <laughs> best Zelda game. Oof, uh, that might take some time. <laughs> oh, no, no, this is gonna, I'm going to, there's going to be blood on that one. There really will be, yeah. Uh, Hunter versus Xander, is Goku written well in Super? I'll let you guys decide which which uh, corner you want to be in on that one. Mm. Uh Hunter versus myself, Guild Wars 2 or Final Fantasy 14, which is a better MMO? And then Xander versus myself, Magic and Military, could a fantasy world stand a chance against the, stand a chance against the modern day? Believe it or not, there's an anime of that. I know which one you're there talking is. about and that will be discussed. Yes. I also am already aware of which one you're talking about. I like that anime. When I saw these debates being posted, I did a lot of research into the magic and military one and the fantasy world, and there's a lot of people online who say you should not use Steins Gate as an example because it is designed and written in a way to show that modern could beat fantasy. And that's the I, whole gimmick of it. So you said Steins Gate, but I think you might be thinking or of just, just Gate. Gate. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my bad. Yeah, Steins Gate is different. No, they oh, yeah. were just saying gate. They just said gate, but I heard, have heard of Steins Gate. I mixed it up. They didn't. Understandable. Yeah, no, I've seen Gate. I love Gate. It's a good anime, but uh, I do take some issues with that one. Of course. And that will be discussed in our Very debate. much so. Uh, but the way that these uh, debates are going to be structured is we're going to do a one minute, uh, one and a half minute. I'm still debating on which one I want to do. I think, uh, do you guys want to do one and a half or one minute? I don't think openings. we even need to time it. That's fair. We'll Just do one minute openings. opening statement. Yeah, quick opening statement. And then uh, we'll go into a 10 minute free form discussion between the two debaters. Um, the rules are... Try your best not to uh, talk over each other. Uh, getting a little crazy and shouty is a is allowed, but try not to make it go overboard. Um, I'll let Vic decide what the limit is because she's our judge. Um, and yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Unless there's anything else you guys need to or want want to want to implement. Considering I have no experience in this, I'm just saying let's see what happens. Yeah, it's a it's a for fun thing, so we don't need to take it too seriously. If um, someone starts talking over another, I shall clap. Yes, yes, clap their cheeks. 
Um, I said quack, not clack. Oh, quack. Okay. Yeah, quack, I'm quack scared. their cheeks. <laughs> quack their cheeks. Um, the the thing that our judge will be scoring on is the strength of an argument, how well she she is persuaded by the argument. Um, she should be going into it completely unbiased, even if she already has an opinion going into it. Um, and that's basically it. All right. Yeah. So. Uh... Quack. <laughs> Quack. Uh, let me see if I can find a way to randomize who goes first and who goes second. All right. Wait, uh, I got. I'm a D and D player. Let me find a die. Would be be okay with me grabbing a water real quick while you decide yeah. who goes. I've been yeah, sitting there drinking Pepto Bismol. Only if you have consent. That's why I'm asking. From the water. <laughs> oh, um, I'll go. You don't ask grab it. anything without consent. True. All right. Uh, so I'm going to roll a d4, and um, depending on the number that I roll, will be determined. Will determine who gets to go. Uh, so chance is going to be number one. I'll be number two. Uh, Xander's going to be number three, and Hunter's going to be number four. I'd base that based on the order they, as we appear from left to right on the screen. Well, three is my lucky number, so have at it. All right, so first roll is going to be Hunter. Second roll is going to be... Uh, I rolled Hunter again. <laughs> Hunter. Uh, chance. So Third first, roll. First... Uh, first debate's going to be between Hunter and Chance. Oh, fuck yeah. Here yeah. we go. Uh. Uh, so that's going to be a debate between Paladins and Valorant. And I picked those two because, one, they are FPS shooters. Uh, two, they are both hero shooters. Uh, and three, I know Chance really likes Paladins and Hunter really likes Valorant. Oh, I very, know. very different that, games. I don't play either of them, so... Yeah. Very, very different games. This is actually going to be hard to balance. It, they're very different games, but I feel like they're common enough that you might find stands to argue on, or like grounds to argue on. I think it would have been closer with Paladins versus Overwatch, but I wouldn't have as much a stake in it. Exactly. That's why I didn't choose Overwatch. You wouldn't have any stake at all. Only you could have done Dark Souls versus Bloodborne. <laughs> oh yeah, I could have done that. That might. But anyways, I'm here for it. Paladins versus Valorant. We'll see what happens. All right. Uh, and since I rolled Hunter first, Hunter, you get to start your opening discussion first. Your opening statement. Well, one good thing about Valorant as an FPS game is the lack of being able to spawn camp. You both spawn in opposite ends of the map, have a wall up, planning phase, and there is no way 
for them to spawn camp you. You don't have to worry about that like you do in most other FPSs like Call of Duty and other stuff like that and whatnot where you might just spawn and suddenly, bam, you're dead. And uh, it's a very widely accepted game. It's widely played, it has a good player base, uh, and it even has um, professional leagues already. So. All right, that sounds like it's the end of Hunter's opening statement. Chance, you get to go now. Okay, so hear me out. Paladins used to have a professional league, but it died. Really good argument, right? Um, I, I do like that you can spawn camp, so if the other team sucks, uh, they don't get to play, which I, I think it's fun. That's just me, though. Um, I like that you can actually play healer in Paladins. That's huge. Uh, you're going to try to hit me with Sage, but Sage sucks ass. Um, so, uh, there's that. Done argue. All right, that's the end of your opening statement. So now we're going to go into freeform discussion uh, for 10 minutes, starting now. So Let's, see, let's, let's hear what you guys say. You mentioned actually being able to play healer, and you mentioned Sage, and uh -huh. I wouldn't say she sucks. I would say that she's properly balanced for the game that she exists in, and she's also not the only healer. There's also Sky, so there are oh, two I always of forget them. about Sky. However, uh, you can only heal basically one time the entire match. Which is no, not it's got great. like a 30 second cooldown, and if you stay alive, matches are long enough for you to get off at least three. Wait, is that new? I remember her only having one heal. So her heal is every single champion has one ability that they get for free, they have two other abilities that they purchase, and then they have their ultimate that they have to earn points towards. Sage's free ability that goes on a basic recharge that she gets as the match keeps going is her heal. That is her main focus. Uh, the ones that she gets to purchase that are separate from that are her two slow orbs and her one wall. I see, I see. Well, in Paladins, the female characters are much more attractive, and that's objective. It's, it's just true. I don't know about that. I it's, like nope. there are nope. several uh -uh. ones that I will admit are attractive Elf. in paladins and there's more, but I really like KJ's style. I think that Jet looks sexy. Like and then there's Viper and Reyna who just have the sexy voices. Okay, the voice I'll give you that. But Ying. Ying exists. Ying does and... exist, and Ying is one of the few that I remember. I don't remember what she looks like now off the top of my head, but I do remember saying that she was attractive. I will give you this that. This is true. Um, God, what do we have to argue about? I, I do like that I'm going to spend less time in a Paladins game on average. <laughs> like okay, it's, it's okay. It's less, less time investment. I will say that I have had bigger disparities in Paladins whenever I've played with you between the teams as a skill difference than I have Oh, in that's Valorant. my fault. 
That's, um, that's entirely my fault. I have 900 hours in that game. Yeah, <laughs> it may be your fault, but it has led to a sometimes very unpleasant experience, especially whenever I brought up the spawn camping. Paladins, I remember more often us being the ones who are getting spawn camped and destroyed, which is not fun, so I would prefer that it not even be a possibility, as is Valorant's case. I see. Um, my rebuttal is don't die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Just get good. Yeah, that's the rule between both of them. Just one of them, you die, you're dead for that whole rest of the round unless your sage has a res up, or the other one, you die, and then you spawn, die, spawn, die, spawn, die, spawn, die. I think that one is clearly more frustrating than the other. I agree that it can be more frustrating, but I do like being able to play the game more. Because if I die at the beginning of the round, I don't get to do anything for the next three minutes at minimum. So, my biggest rebuttal to that is get good. Uh, you need to learn head height and proper firing control. In you think Valorant. I can aim? Hunter, I play healer in every game. I can't fucking aim. Well, that sounds like a you problem. It is a me problem. I'm just pointing out, in Valorant, the gunplay is equally as, if not more important, than the ability play. Yes, your abilities are useful, and they can change the flow of the game, but what it really boils down to, as most FPSs do, but not all, I will admit, is the gunplay. And they do let you choose what guns you want to use instead of having specific guns assigned to specific characters. I do enjoy that. I can play whatever character I feel most comfortable on with whatever gun I feel most comfortable on, which allows me to create my own synergy. Yeah, in, in Paladins, you're just kind of stuck with whatever the left click is. However, all the other uh, equipment uses that are on cooldown are much much more powerful which makes them more useful overall the guns are supposed good. to be the most useful part of valorant so like i think that's just a game difference thing and it'll come down to a personal preference i can't deny that paladin's abilities are probably more powerful and more deadly than most of valorant's but that's because most of valorant's are meant to be a util utility more than a killing source. Their game is more designed around their gunplay, save for a few. Like, Ray's with her stupid explosives, I will admit, I don't like that. <laughs> that is a problem I take up with the game. But other than that, um... Most people do have to develop a sense for kind of head height, aiming, knowing what corners to hold, um, and what gun fires in which way. Like, something about Valorant that a lot of people struggle with, um, that's really just a practice over time develop skill, that I know that all of the ones in here that I've played with have had a problem with, is that the guns feel unreliable whenever you use the fully auto function, the continuous fire. Uh -huh. And that's because in the game, you're... 
I've learned that it's not fully unreliable, it's just that it is a bit wild and different from other games. But the first bullet of a Vandal is 100% accurate if you're not moving. It is a game that is designed differently than Apex or the other run-and-gun moving shooters. It's not designed around moving and shooting. It's designed more around CSGO style, holding corners. Um, a gun in real life, firing it is not going to be as accurate if you're moving as it would be if you're holding still. Uh-huh. So, I I think the big thing Paladins has going for it over Valorant, in my opinion, is uh, it is a much easier game to play if you're a beginner. Like, if you start Valorant as a beginner, you are going to get shit on 99% of the time. It, it does have a high skill ceiling, but I will also say it... It has it, a high it, skill floor. That's where the problem there is. There we go, yeah. Skill floor and ceiling, it has both, um, which does create an issue for entry players. Um, with Paladins, I guess the only way that I would be able to agree with you is if I hadn't started off playing with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have many hours in that game, and it does it, not it like created matchmaking an experience that way. Where I started not at the skill floor, but at the skill ceiling because of you. I'm not even good at that game. It just kind of match makes you based off of you know. I feel like that is a poor matchmaking stuff. system. I'm not oh, going to say Valorant is any better. Good, but yeah, Valorant is also shit. I have both of them have bad matchmaking systems. I can admit that. I don't know. I think all the characters in Paladins feel more special to play. Like in... Again, in Valorant, it's more about the gunplay, and they're slowly adding characters. Like, they added in a new character that totally changes the flow of the game called Gecko, and um, he has an ability where if he has the spike, he can send out his wingman, and it's this little goopy dude that will carry the spike onto site for him and plant it for him so that he doesn't have to fake planting it. He can have his ability do it for him while he guards the ability and can still shoot. Uh-huh. It can also disarm spike when he's on defense. That is pretty neat. However, I don't like that game that much. There you go, my closing <laughs> statement. <laughs> I still got 38 seconds. You got a rebuttal? Uh, my closing statement for the problem with Paladins that I probably dislike the most is if somebody knows what they're doing, whenever you get in a game and you're new and you're playing with a friend to try and just have fun, the whole going in sometimes you don't even know why or how you die but in valorant you at least like they give you a rundown kind of they're like you got shot in the head by this gun by this person and then you can put the pieces together and fix it next round Time's instead up. of being pushed in good arguments good arguments um uh-huh What's funny is that, like, as a beginner Paladins player, I played with both Chance and Chase. So uh, I had a rough time when I first was first learning mm -hmm. how to play the game. But when I, when I would play solo, I would actually uh, do 
really, really well. So it's really funny how they uh, mash make base off of the highest levels in the in the party. Uh, but I, I think they do that yeah. just so you don't so you don't roll lobbies. And then you get rolled. Yeah, yeah. Um, so depends on how much of your team is new. Vic, based off of their arguments, uh, who would you say is the winner of this debate? Your unbiased opinion. Okay, unbiased opinion based on things um, would probably would probably be Hunter's argument because he had a lot more, not just a lot more to say, but he also used downsides on both ends and then tried to find a positive on both. Um, there's a lot to both of it that I see, but the no offense, hon. The very beginning of it, beginning of it, just like get <laughs> stop being bad or stop dying, and it's like, well, I mean, <laughs> uh, also the beginning point of it being uh, being against the uh, spawn killing that helps with first time players. Um, there's also a couple of things that, like, on an objective standpoint, you could see positives and actually see it rather than, you know, just... There was a lot of personal opinions thrown out there. Oh, for sure. Um, which, of course, will be based on your experience. But, yeah, just based on objectivity, probably Hunter's argument, being honest. I haven't played either of these games. So. I'm trying to keep the stream entertaining. Right. <laughs> uh, you did a good there's job. nothing wrong with that i was just saying i think that was actually a pretty good discussion i'm really glad i'm re really proud of both of you that was a really it was really good i feel like hunter should have taken overwatch even if he cares less about it because <laughs> that is oh, so much more comparable yeah, it's hard to compare Paladins versus Valorant. It would have been closer if it was Paladins versus Overwatch or Valorant versus CSGO. <laughs> so whenever I was picking the discussion, I was thinking about like what kind of th arguments you could make. Um, mm -hmm. And I purposely said which one's a better game instead of like which one's a better uh, FPS shooter. Um, in a sense, like some of the arguments that I would have made for... Um, for paladins is that um it's not built around competition like valorant is because valorant is built to be an esport uh so it's much more approachable for uh beginners but also uh, an argument for valorant is that it's much more popular so uh, finding people to play with would be much easier I once played against the top androxus in the world and I wanted to die I just want you all to know that <laughs> that doesn't make the game sound like it's better in my opinion that's why I didn't put it in the argument bit that, that was just a personal <laughs> anecdote <laughs> I think I think the weakest part for me was your closing statement of oh that's neat but I don't like that game <laughs> <laughs> what you didn't like my closing statement oh no I loved it I loved it I'm saying it was a weak closing statement to support no, your side because you're like oh that character sounds neat. I can't even say that that doesn't sound new or inventive. But I don't like that game. <laughs> so I don't like getting me. popped in the head. One of the, and th just one of the losing. 
one of the things I would have argued also against Valorant is just the game feel. I I don't know if it's just a me thing, but the game feel of it of Valorant just doesn't feel good. Because that know, that is a personal opinion thing. Because there's a yeah. lot of people who think that it does feel good. You know what game does feel good though? Apex Legends. Oh, Apex. They. Oh my God, the movement in Apex. Apparently, I learned recently <laughs> like we were on the same that page Apex Legends to. allowed for people to use a third-party software for a little while before making it illegal in gameplay. That would eliminate their recoil. That's cheating. Huh. That sounds weird. Yeah, it's that, something it, that it's it's something that EA allowed for a bit, and at first it wasn't against their rules. It wasn't considered cheating. And then they have since decided, oh, no, that is cheating. And now they're saying that it's against the rules. But they did, for a large majority of the time that the game has been released and out, allow for people to use that software freely, even in ranked. Damn. Uh, Fucking. Well, the game feels good to play. That's all we were saying. Yeah, yeah that's also a personal opinion thing. I, I just can't agree with that one, but I know that here that is the unpopular opinion among this group. It's it's a it's a good movement shooter, like objectively good. Yeah, you don't have to like the game itself, but it is a really, really good movement. Uh anyways, I'm gonna go ahead and, and roll for the second grumble, debate. Grumble. Uh I rolled Maybe a one. Smooth. So that's that's chance. Oh, fuck yeah. And then I rolled a four, so chance versus Hunter again. Now I'm going to re-roll the second <laughs> no. one. Actually, I'll just re-roll in general. I'm going to re-roll both dice. Uh, Hunter. And Hunter. I'm only rolling ones and fours right now. Hmm. I Check will argue with right. myself. Tell me the topic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I rolled it. I rolled a two, so this that's me. This is going to be a difficult decision. <laughs> And three, so it's me versus Xander. Oh boy! Oh, which go. hunter Lovely. will be right? <laughs> Is it Neither. the angel hunter or double hunter? Eat that deviled egg that's been sitting in the window for two days. <laughs> no. Uh, um. No. <laughs> Whatever one that one is, I'm not listening to that. One. That's the devil. <laughs> All right, the so egg. Uh, mine and Xander's topic is magic versus military, which uh, could a fantasy world stand a chance against a modern day? Uh, and I have been thinking a lot about this topic, so you better be ready, Xander. Go for it. Uh, yeah, so I, I'll go ahead and do my opening statement first since I rolled mine myself first. Um, so whenever you think about uh, a fantasy world fighting a modern-day military, a lot of the times you would think of the anime Gate, which uh, the military in Gate steamrolls the fantasy army in uh, uh, on the other side of the Gate. Uh, I'm here to say that's ludicrous and bullshit, and uh, because uh, most fantasy worlds, uh, a lot of people have magic, and of course that's going to be determined by like what kind of fantasy world you're looking at, because... Uh, I think uh, Lord of the Rings in particular is kind of low fantasy, um, where they use mostly swords and shields and whatnot. But I would argue that most fantasy worlds have of like high magic, um, and 
even though guns are powerful, tanks are powerful and shit like that, I feel like with magic, there is unlimited possibilities you can do with it. There's so much you could do with it. Uh, and that's not even taking into account the different um, magical creatures you can run into, like dragons, or like if you're looking at D&D, there's beholders, uh, or even fucking uh, the fucking CR-30 monsters, which I don't think a tank could take out. But that's just me. That's my opening statement. Well, uh, in that regard, uh, believe it or not, I actually agree with you on several points you've made. First of all, believing that the anime uh, gate be- uh, basically makes it to where it looks like the military would steamroll a fantasy world. Um, I do agree that the anime itself is uh, largely disproportionate to consider the fact that we are limited to resources as well as uh, ingenuity. Uh, considering the fact that you, as you said, that magic is prevalent in these fantasy worlds, true. Um, but let's say hypothetically that we are dealing with a military force in a fantasy world that has the same resources it would have back on our normal home front. I do believe, however, um, a military would definitely be a stronger presence and have a more advantage. Um, I don't think that fantasy itself, like the average fantasy person could stand up against a whole military, maybe a legion of, uh, you know, summoned heroes from such and such world. I mean, apparently there's so many isekais at this point. Uh, take your pick on your own personal squad. Might be able to sit there and make a dent to a military. Um, very large creatures such as like dragons and uh, several other things would definitely put a hamper on it. But in regards to like... Uh, I don't know, the world being able to just shrug off a military force, given the fact that, as mentioned before, uh, the same resources that, um, let's say, the gate had, where it was basically uh, in and out of its own home turf, allowing them to resupply and uh, restructuralize based on the events around them, I would say that a military force could, in fact, have a relatively decent grip on, say, a country or two before eventually getting overran. And that's my opening statement. All right, cool, cool, cool. Uh, Let me start the timer, and then we can go into open discussion. All right. Starting now. All right, so what you said was a bunch of fucking bullshit. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So, yeah, I think... The, the thing about being like what you said about being uh, limited on supplies. I didn't even think about that, honestly, but yeah, that is kind of true. Uh, unless you're going up against the U S military, you are extremely limited on supplies. Um, and even with the U S military, eventually you're going to run out of bullets, right? Um, Very much so. <laughs> but another thing to take into account is that soldiers on the fantasy side, um, they're not just human. There are a bunch of different races with their own special abilities based off what what race they are. Like, obviously, elves tend to be depicted with keener senses. Uh, orcs tend to be depicted with, like, thicker skin, so they're harder to take down. I think a gun could still take them down, but uh, I don't know. You'd be surprised. 
at the same time, I agree with you, but also I'd like to think that uh, our military is literally born and bred for one desire to destroy what is in front of them. While a fantasy world seems to focus more in harmony with each other, a military presence is not something you want to really uh, just ignore or like kind of downplay. Like they are designed, like if they are pointing a gun at you, they are looking to kill you as best and as glorious as they can. There is no working with them. There is no, you know, trying to dissuade them. You are, they are going to try and end your life. And I feel like a fantasy world isn't really all that equipped to handle that level of brutality. Um, I think they're more than uh, ready to handle that kind of brutality because, like I, like, like I mentioned in my opening statement, magic. And I think that's like the key to my argument here is that there's so much you can do with magic. Um, in fact, like one of my characters, um, fucking Ilden, he's a wizard. Um, one of the things I try to do with him is to use magic to try to confuse, uh, to confuse the enemy and try to try to get them to attack each other. Uh, and with magic, that's extremely easy to do. In fact, just normal as humans in the modern military. Um, they're probably not going to be well-equipped to handle that situation. True, but at the same time, when it comes to a military force, it's not necessarily what they can do, it's how many numbers you have. Take the Russian military, for instance, that their primary tactic is strength in numbers. They will overrun you as fast as they can. Sure, with magic, you'll be able to sit there and blow a good chunk of them, but a constant onslaught of just men sitting there just walking up, trying to end your life, after a while, it's going to whittle you down. Uh, yeah, but also uh, military or uh, or fantasy armies uh, also have strength in numbers depending on which army you're looking at. Um, for example, Vieras, they're bunnies. They fuck like bunnies. There's going to be a bunch of them. You're not going to be able to fight out an entire army of bunnies, right? Uh, because, you know, they, they, got, they got the numbers. True, true. But that is one particular race as opposed to several other races which are a bit more spread out. Fantasy worlds have a tendency of following the more village ideology. Um, they do have capitals, but their armies are nowhere near to the massive sizes of, say, our modern military would be. So we definitely would have the numbers to outrank theirs. They have magic, sure. But at the same time, we have other th ordinance as well that could be as comparable if not more impressive than their magic i have yet to see a mega spell sitting there turn into a nuclear warhead uh obviously you haven't seen final fantasy the uh the the summoning of bahamut i have not but we <laughs> shall continue <laughs> onward uh so uh, like i said there it's not just magic the there's also magical creatures that could be utilized. Uh, so like in Final Fantasy, you got these um, uh, tribal creatures that could summon um, these primals, these giant godlike entities that could wipe out probably a good portion of a modern military, if I'm being totally honest. Uh, especially if you're looking at the stronger primals, such as Bahamut, which is a literal dragon true and i can definitely see that however that is one target as opposed to being swarmed with say uh, a whole squadron of f-35 uh lightning sitting there constantly whittling it down hitting it with high impact uh missiles that could definitely help bring it down 
Maybe, maybe. Um, another thing to think about, though, is that like a lot of uh, a lot of things that you see within fantasy worlds is the use of magical barriers. Um, and as long as there's a mana supply, and usually in fantasy worlds, there's like a surplus of mana supplies depending on the setting. Um, the generally, like, okay, so like for example, Hogwarts, um, they, uh, like Hogwarts has a, a force field around it at all times to keep dark cre- uh, or dark wizards from being able to get in. They had to do go through some trickery and also the help of a student to be able to get on the inside. I don't think a military is going to be able to do that. Not by itself, no. But then there also brings up the question of which fantasy are we dealing with? You're pulling from a large variety of different ones that have totally different rules. Not all of them are going to follow into the same categories. While there's strengths in ones, there's weaknesses in others. So therefore, while it may be like, oh, one fantasy world may have protection against this, it's not going to have protection against something else, too. So it's kind of a give and take situation here. So I'm kind of arguing from a standpoint of could a fantasy world stand a chance against the modern day? So it doesn't necessarily have to be all a fantasy. It just has to be like a single fantasy world. Um, and so I, I think like what I want to look at then is like the strength of d and I think that might be my best way of getting across what I'm saying because all of us here play D&D. Um, there are some devastating spells that we have access to as players um as well as some deadly monsters that we fight as uh like you know the cr30 monsters like i mentioned before um you got the the might of the different dragons like tiamat and bahamut that you can actually fight believe it or not they have stat blocks um but also like another thing to think about is the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The gods have a high presence in fantasy worlds, especially D and D. Obviously, you got your clerics and shit. Um, so I don't, I don't think the gods will be like, oh, we're just gonna sit idly by as our world gets destroyed by this other world that we know nothing about. Uh, especially. And I can under- Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and in regard to the Pantheon, it also uh, depends on whether or not the gods actually have a prevalent uh, indication or a, pre- a prevalent footprint, if you will. While some mythologies will say that, yes, they are active in uh, every day-to-day life with mortals, others are either like sealed away via a barrier that they cannot breach or have no interest into the affairs of the mortals, of which provide them with the same power through worship. Um, it just all kind of depends, but I believe that... Um, given the fact that you're focusing on more of like a D&D stat block, I feel like maybe, yes, um, they could probably hold like a nation or two. But if you're talking about like uh, if a military could sit there and conquer the whole damn world, I would say no, absolutely not. But being able to sit there and withhold a certain territory, I can genuinely believe that it can be done. Mm, it can be done. But, so, I I think one thing that I want to think about is, uh, so, you mentioned before the strength in numbers, 
But that all depends on like individual unit strength. And I think in a fantasy world, the individual individual unit strength would be much stronger than a unit on the military side. Well, you also uh, have to remember is the fact that, uh, as mentioned before, military is trained uh, to for combat. They are trained in the ways of combat, learning various different types of martial arts, how to sit there and uh, deal with uh, different types of ordnance, how to uh, essentially kill the opponent as best as they can. From a fantasy's perspective, um, most of the time they're usually uh, – give them basic training uh basically throwing bodies at the problem until it is uh uh either the problem is resolved or somebody who actually has the ability to make more decisive blows is able to actually do said blows and take out the opponents bear this in mind this information i'm pulling up is more from a historical aspect as opposed to uh you know anything in particular or fantasy I have seen, but considering the fact that fantasy is loosely based around um, like medieval England, it's a fair no. assumption to kind of point the two together. Time's up. Our arguments are over. Okay. okay. I wanted to say so many things <laughs> on both sides. Uh, so. This is incredibly difficult because um, there's two two parts of this. I do believe that it probably would have been more of a fair argument if you used a specific fantasy world as an example. Um, oh, because sure. you are going against a modern military. We know how the modern military is. It's pretty much one way, right? Yeah. Um, but fantasy worlds, you have so many different situations. You have literally a fantasy world where you can bend space and so that's uh in my brain i think that it is an almost impossible fight to win in general because everything that xander had been coming up with was very easily kiboshed by magic or <laughs> a barrier or so it he bring up some incredibly good points of building things down right yeah well humans also are only so much in number um, so they could always be, like, obliterated by a Big Mac thing, right? So, I was thinking of both sides. They they were both incredibly good arguments, and Xander, you did try your damnedest. Mm -hmm. It is incredibly hard to fight just the concept of magic winning or losing. Yeah, so, so honestly, I would have to go with Donovan, just even from a, like, completely non-biased standpoint magic literally explains the unexplainable and i fully understand that too uh, like i like you were yeah. saying you know you you could basically just magic away the entire problem and there we go the only real thing i was mainly focusing on is not necessarily uh like going against like a magical army or anything like that in particular or was whether or not they could actually withstand a fantasy world itself for all i know they could be dumped like in the middle of a forest or something like that and Hey, can yeah. you survive? <laughs> Honestly, that is though. very true. And also, you brought up, you did bring up another thing that actually uh, brought up kind of my decision making process was uh, supplies. Supplies would dwindle down for humans way faster than they would for any other creature. 
Yeah, because um, for um, for magic, you know, that's like whatever <laughs> is used to replenish that, yeah. which is usually like, you know, life force or ether or whichever one is, you know, to fill it. With a bullet, I hate to say it, you got to mine that shit. <laughs> that Honestly, is though, very true. So, uh, Xander, one argument that I feel like you should have made was that like in fantasy worlds, especially D&D, there's only so many creatures that are so powerful. That is very true. But it is common enough. I, I feel but like that's also that's also where I think. A I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I was just gonna say I feel like the fantasy world creates a harsher environment than we live in in our world. Like we yes, are, are like we are squishy, but like in the fantasy world, I feel like their baseline average Joe Blow dude would honestly be above our baseline i'm not saying that theirs is going to be above our top of the line but i think that their average is a higher quality while oh, we I, may have more quantity i fully under i fully agree with that statement right there if i was to take some yeah. random american off the street and plop him in a phys, uh next to a guy from some fantasy world the fantasy world guy is definitely going to sit there and outdo the american and not for the reasons most people think but for the fact is, is that the fantasy world deals with the constant reminder that death is around the corner at every turn. Yes, like it could even be some dude who looks pretty fit, could go to the gym every week, you know? And I think that even their quality, if they're not trained for fighting, they may be strong, but that dude from the fantasy world lives a harsher life. I agree, yeah. and I fully so... understand that. That's why I think that, that this one would have been hard to win in the first place against uh, one party. I that standpoint is very hard to win. But so I think it probably would have been a little more fair to use a specific example because in this case you would have gone like, okay, well, they have this, right? This is incredibly powerful. Well, we have this. And that can um, take care of that. I can think of one way that our modern world could potentially win out against a fantasy world, even with magic, but we would have to break the Geneva Convention. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We would have to go through like some serious right. terrorist levels to get yeah, to that Yeah, I was going to say, It doesn't exist like, in that world. Fuck you. Oh, yeah, yeah, we didn't make it for that world. If, if, it was, if it was somehow a collision happened in some way where there was like a portal that connected our world to their world and one had to wipe out like 90% of the other in order to win and survive and stay in existence. I do think that our world, we are much more willing to go to extremes <laughs> and we have the technology ourselves. to do it and we are willing to sacrifice ourselves enough yeah. to win that is where i think our modern day wins out so like with that being said it kind of to me is like okay well i mean yeah they've got magic but they don't have enough people that can use magic at high enough level for healing to get rid of say a lethally bioweaponized virus. <laughs> yep. yes. Levels of the real world. There is like, honestly a lot of things. If we release that on them, I think we win. There is honestly a lot of things that you could have brought up that I could that I couldn't counter against. There's a lot of arguments you could have made. There, there are several, but on basis, like I said, I, I honestly would have personally have preferred that if we, we use if we keep example the Geneva. Because 
if we keep the Geneva if we keep the Geneva restrictions on us against a fantasy world, I think we lose. But if we throw those out the window and say, "Okay, game on, all things go," I think that we suddenly open up a whole new table of options to win. Oh yeah, very <laughs> much so. I mean, if somebody sits just starts looking at the Fears playbook and sit there saying, "You know what? That's a good idea." Oh God. Holy God. Yeah, but like it, it would really, it, we would, our world would have to be pushed to the brink of we have to accept breaking these specific rules because they're not against us now. We're not against each other. We're trying to save our world from another. And that would have to be something that would have to be voted on. And we know how long that can take. True. All right. So, so in, in relation to this or in conclusion, Fantasy world, just argument-wise as well as logic-wise, unfortunately beats out. So, congratulations. <laughs> and I should have done that for the first one, but I didn't. Um, so that was that was really good arguments, though, on both sides. Both of you brought up something that I didn't think of at first. So it scared me. <laughs> All right, but anyway. All right, that so I is I... number three. I already rolled. Uh, it is myself versus Hunter. Oh, boy. Let me see what you have. Oh, no! oh my God. <laughs> okay, oh, so Lord. we did bring out the freaking uh, <laughs> soundboard. No! I was the one with the soundboard because I am the judge. Yes. Uh, I'll yes. stop there. I'll stop there. I just wanted to use a knife. Oh, you're good. Um, <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> All right, so now servers that I'm in keep adding new things, and I keep wanting to test them, but I don't have the time. Uh, so or now new opportunities. It is myself versus Hunter. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna argue what is a better MMO, Final Fantasy fourteen or Guild Wars two. I assume you're gonna take the side of Final Fantasy fourteen. We can do either or. Would you have a preference? Uh, I haven't really played Final, uh, Guild Wars 2, so I'll take Final Fantasy 14 if you, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, I mean, I have m arguments I could make for either, because I've played both. Um, I would say I've played Guild Wars 2 more, probably, than I've played Final Fantasy 14. Okay. Well, uh, do you want to start with your opening statement, then? Um... Dude, I don't even know what I would say for an opening statement on this right now. <laughs> just bullshit your way through. I believe in you. I guess my opening statement is just going to have some targeted things to say about what I like about Guild Wars 2 versus Final Fantasy 14. So sure. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. And this is a standpoint of which is a better MMO, not necessarily which yeah. is a better game. Yeah. So... MMO-wise, I while Final Fantasy XIV, I will admit, it goes very in-depth. It probably has a lot more to it overall whenever, like, you look really deep into things. Um, it's not that Guild Wars 2 doesn't have any substance, but, like, I will admit Final Fantasy, there's more jobs, there's more classes, there's, like, the advanced classes, the base ones, and they evolve into different things. Guild Wars 2 takes that 
And instead of going that way with it, they make a less complicated version, I would say, that's probably easier for newer MMO people to get into. The navigation for Final Fantasy comes across as difficult to me as somebody who has played MMOs for a very long time, because it's hard to tell lateral differences in Final Fantasy, whereas Guild Wars 2, it does make elevation and lateral differences easier to tell, um whenever you're trying to guide yourself through the map. And it's also, for me, my experience was a lot of me getting lost in Final Fantasy. And then finally, I the only way I learned to navigate was hitting a certain button that opened up my quest menu and then clicking go to quest. And then I would know where to go. But sometimes even that wouldn't always lead me where I actually needed to go. Whereas in Guild Wars, it will put on your map, like, a dotted line that will lead you to the very next step that you need to do. And it makes it a lot easier to not get lost in those things. Um, Guild Wars 2 also has added some great things with its expansions. So it kind of dipped its toes into an advanced class system. Uh, you do have to make separate characters in order to play all the different classes, but if you're playing like a Mesmer, you can switch between the advanced classes that came out with different expansions without worry, instead of being locked into one or the other, but you are still locked into the overall Mesmer area, and then you'd have to make a new character for a different one instead of just being able to go, well, I'm this job, but I want to switch to this job like you can in Final Fantasy XIV. Um, I think that that separation, though, helps for newer players a little bit to not get so lost uh, or overwhelmed, maybe. And for just a um, kind of final closing part to this opening statement, I love that in Guild Wars 2, once you unlock a mount, that mount can do whatever that mount can do. If it can fly, it can fly anywhere. I don't have to collect some stupid Aether Currents on some new map just to be able to fly. My mount is a flying mount. Now, not all mounts can fly, but this one can, and it is mine. <laughs> right, so that's some good points. Uh, so for my opening statement, uh, so MMO means massive multiplayer online, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I know one of the things that you complained about with Final Fantasy is that, oh, well, with these solo duties, you're solo. You can't actually play with your friends like, like you want to. Um, and, yeah, that, I think that is a fair criticism, honestly, um, because, you know, you're playing an MMO to play with other people. But with Final Fantasy, there are so many times where you actually have to play by yourself uh, just to get through the story. However... Outside of those instances, outside of the solo duties, there is so many opportunities to interact with other players. You got dungeons, you got raids, you got the gold saucer, uh, you got player-made events. Um, like one of the, one event that was created recently is called LunarCon, where they actually have a convention inside the game which is really fucking cool. And that's not something that the developers did. That's something that the players did. Um, there's, like, players even make nightclubs and, like, fucking restaurants inside the game. There's so many opportunities to interact with other players. It's insane. Um, and, of course, like, 
they don't even skimp out on the game part. Obviously, Final Fantasy is a really fun game unto itself. You got so many jobs, so many... Well, I wouldn't say so many races. There's only like uh, eight races, I think, at most. Um, but like just the things you can do with your individual character opens the opportunity for uh, player expression. And I think that's extremely important with an MMO is player expression. Um, the glamour system is fantastic. The character customization, while a little limited, is pretty great looking, I think. The characters look great. Um, they could add a few more options if, uh, if I'm to be totally honest. Um, but the races are varied enough. I think, um, like, even though like a lot of the, uh, races are like human with animal like features, I think, uh, the, like even the differences between them are enough to justify it being its own individual race. Um, and then, uh, the content of the games, uh, like I said, dungeons are fun, raids are fun. They're adding new types of content, like the uh, like the variant dungeons, where it's like a dungeon, but you actually get to make decisions on where you want the story of the dungeon to go, which is really cool. Um, and they're constantly adding new stuff. It's it's great. So that's my opening statement. All right, awesome. If you'll give me just a moment, I'm going to switch devices that I am on and we'll rejoin in two seconds. Literally. No problem. She disappeared. Oh. It's been more than two seconds. She said literally, and it's not literally. Oh, there she is. <laughs> it was like five to ten, but it's fine. Excuse me. You are muted, Vic, but are you ready? Quack, yeah, if you're ready. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't hear Quack. In case she stayed muted, I was gonna... She said yes, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> Alright, I'll go ahead and start the timer now. So, with what you said on the player expression... I can't really refute that, especially with, like, in-game events and whatnot. I will say the community is probably most definitely larger for Final Fantasy. Um, and, yeah, that's that's a good thing for an MMO, is a thriving community. Guild Wars has survived, and it has done well for itself. Um, it also has some pretty big events, though. I have missed out on most of them, so I can't really reference to too many, but I know that there was, like, a uh, Heart of Fire thing that was, like, a timed event, um, and I think that whenever you're playing Guild Wars 2, sometimes there are special events for, like, holiday seasons that happen. And I think that that's pretty cool that the developers do that, like, um, and you can get specialized stuff from it that's mostly, you know, character customization or customization of what things look like. But even that is still cool flavoring, and it's an easy way to allow players to express themselves as well. It's not like it doesn't exist. Um, so I think that that's something to at least keep in mind when thinking about Guild Wars, is that it's not totally lacking in that. I think it's just more simplified for a 
more welcoming experience to new MMO players. That is a good point. Um, being uh, being good for uh, new players is always good. I would say that Final Fantasy also does a good job at being good for new players, um, especially like I know one uh, one thing that Guild Wars has going for it is the um, the the price. Uh, like I, I don't. You mean I'm, free? I'm, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's free, but you pay for expansions, but. Uh, the good thing about it is that, like, you play the base game for free, you buy the expansions, and that's about it. You don't pay for anything else. Whereas with uh, Final Fantasy, you do have to pay a subscription on top of a box mm-hmm. fee, which uh, can be kind of um, intimidating, uh, which I-, I can understand. But they do have a really... Um, There's a word I'm looking for. I'm blanking on my words. Um, generous, that's the word. Uh, they have a generous uh, game trial, which a lot of other MMOs don't really have, don't, don't really offer, especially when you're looking at World of Warcraft, which is, you know, uh, the number We're one We're not MMO, bringing them into this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> true. Uh, but, yeah, like, the, uh, the, the, fr- the free trial, uh, it's been memed because it's mm-hmm. really, really good. You yeah. play a Rumberborn and Heaven Sword for free up to level sixty. Uh, sure, there are some limitations on it, and those limitations can be annoying. But at the end of the day, you still can play for free and have access to all that content. And up to level sixty, that's a lot of fucking content. And <laughs> um, I think. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say that like a new player could start off with a free trial just to get into the game, and yeah. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that what I mean, though, whenever I say this on the welcoming to new players path, um, this is a problem for a lot of MMOs, actually, not just Final Fantasy. And most people don't consider it a problem. They just get used to it. Um, But the hot bar starts getting really full. And then there's a lot of things to hit. And Final Fantasy, I would say, kind of balances this a little bit by having a lot of things share cooldowns. Um, However, that doesn't keep newer players from getting a little lost here and there. And, like, for me, somebody who's played a lot of MMOs, I've played World of Warcraft, I've played... um, I don't remember what it was called. It was... We're gonna skip that one. But... (laughs) I've also played Rift, which is an MMO that kind of died, but just to put it out there, I've tried a lot of different ones. I felt probably the most lost, personally, out of any MMO I'd ever played, specifically on Final Fantasy XIV. Now, that's not saying it's a bad game, but it's saying that, like, I just struggled, personally. Not everybody does, though. But, like, for example, whenever you get a class, um, there's not a huge... I feel like because there are so many actions in there, that a little bit more thorough of a tutorial is necessary than what is given to help guide a player for learning a class. Maybe this is a problem because I started with Black Mage, 
and it doesn't really you have to kind of fumble hitting the buttons finding the combos yourself until you find what works or google it online so, but I... with guild wars oh go ahead sorry but with guild wars the simplification is your first five abilities are related to your weapon or weapons depending on if you're using a two-handed or two one-handeds they change based on what hand they're in and then beyond that you get to select up to five class abilities and one of them will be a healing ability anybody can heal um they can all heal themselves some of them have healing spells almost all of them have healing spells that can heal others um it does kind of take away from needing a healer class which can be detrimental for those who want to just be healers but i think that it allows people to um have the customization without too much variance and confusion um so my argument against uh the whole ability thing is that they actually kind of drip feed you your abilities as you level up and then by the time you get all your abilities you're no longer a new player uh in fact by then you'll probably have lost your sprout icon um and like as long as you're reading your your tooltips you can actually follow along with what you're supposed to do with your class um because they kind of no, well uh, they they do somewhat of a bad job of explaining it but like with combos like they'll tell you what ability feeds into another one for the most part uh, and even if you are confused there are a lot of resources that you can go to and i know like you can make the argument that you shouldn't have to go to outside resources too but this at the end of the day this is a community driven game and as long as you're getting your resources from the community then i would say that's still part of the game i would have to disagree on that and simply because It's not part of the game itself. It's something that other players have noticed as a problem and are filling a hole. But we're not talking about the games as a whole. We're talking about MMO, and that does create a good community. You have people in the MMO that are watching your back. So while I disagree with the generalization of the statement, I don't think it counteracts it being a better MMO, as you are trying to take the stance of. Um, but that's what I'll say on that. <laughs> uh, and another thing is that, like, you said that you started out as Black Mage and it wasn't really vibing with you, which is understandable. Black Mage is kind of more of an advanced class, I would say. Um, the great thing about that is that when, if you're not vibing with a class, you can just go pick up another one. It's really easy. Whereas, like, with a game like Guild Wars, you start your character as a particular class and if you're not vibing with it, you got to create a whole new character and start from the beginning. Yeah, I can see what you're saying there, and I can see how that would be seen as a detriment to some, but it allows for a more in-depth tutorial process that does actually help you learn and understand your class and the way to use it or what it does and its abilities and how to use them together than just switching late game and being like well i'm gonna start a whole new one um but again you have resources that you can look to in final fantasy i just find that 
removing the necessity for a middleman makes it more welcoming to beginners, to newer people, and to people who may not have the time to sink into having to go into these resources and whatnot to try and learn it. Guild Wars also has things that can get confusing, though, um, and allow for better customization of classes being their, uh, I think they're called runes and glyphs. Um, you level it, up, and as oh, you're leveling up, there's a whole player page system that you can select into and customize what things do and how they work with your class. Well, that what is the saying? end. That is the end of open discussion. It has been ten minutes. Okay. Okay. Well, that is some pretty good arguments. Uh, not gonna lie. When okay, so the debate was about MMO, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. If it was based on that particular, you know, statement or not statement, but. That particular subject, I do believe that Donovan brought up a few more better points. Um, if I'm being honest, in basis of things like community, which is a big thing with MMOs. Um, also, you did counteract one of your points, uh, one of your own points, with people not having time for something in an MMO. And if you have to continue with the same character base... Uh, well, with the same character and just keep working on it and hope that it goes, that spends more time than someone might have. So, there there's some good points on both sides, though. Um, especially with uh, the fact that, you know, people not wanting or not having to specifically be a healer. There's some good points there, because, for example, I don't like having to straight be a healer. But I like to be able to fucking heal myself, Right. So there, there's a lot of really good points yeah. just on a general basis for a uh, player and otherwise. But yeah, I gotta go with Final Fantasy judgment there. I tried to take a stance of more welcoming to beginners because that I knew true. that whenever it comes to the long run, Final Fantasy has more meat to its bones. That is and true. Guild Wars is and... more accepting to introductory. I would so argue that the, Guild Wars has better value, though. That yeah, I was gonna say. So that that is definitely there's a lot to both. And yes, yeah. being welcome to new players is absolutely an important part of it. Um, so I do think like if it's also that nice were to the not argument, have to rely on a healer all the time and worry yeah, whenever you're at exactly. one hit point. That's and not you're a problem. Like, hey, are they gonna heal me? That, that's not a problem. Yeah, right? Playing so with no, chance. That's absolutely right. If the argument Excuse was specifically me? better for like more welcoming for beginner, more welcoming for beginner, then yeah, honestly, yeah. I would have to have gone with Guild Wars based on what like what you gave because that I makes I, sense. I haven't spent enough time in Guild Wars to be able to say much on the community, which is why yeah. I knew I was going to lose this one. Oh. But I did try to take a stance that I felt like I could argue. So yeah, whenever just... whenever I picked this topic, I think I might have underestimated how much time you spent in Guild Wars. I thought you spent a lot more time into it than, than no. what I knew that, that I guess. I, I, so in Guild Wars, the only community thing I did, I did solo. I didn't do it with a guild or with a group. I, I did it solo by myself, paired with randoms. Um... 
and it was fun. Uh, it's called World vs. World, but I didn't want to bring that up because I would have had to explain a lot, and we only had ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, so that's I my bad. I didn't want to eat the whole time away with that. That's my bad. If I, if I knew that you didn't uh, spend that much time in Guild Wars, I probably would have picked a different topic. Nah, it's fine. So, what's next? Uh, let's look at the dice roller. Well, the most likely thing is that chance will go again. Uh, it is oh, Hunter really? versus Chance. Who? Hunter versus Chance. We've already gone. What okay. else did we argue? Okay. So I have rolled Hunter versus Xander. Oh. Okay, oh. well, oh. that makes Chance's probability of going next go right to 100. <laughs> yep. Sure does. Wow. 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 All right, so uh, we're switching gears from video games to uh, the only anime topic for the uh, for the evening. Uh, Dragon Ball Super is Goku written well? Uh, I don't know if you guys agree or disagree on this topic, uh, so I'll let you guys decide which corner you want to be in. I'm just gonna mute completely because I don't care. What stance would you take, Xander? Mm. What would you naturally default to? I would have defaulted to that he is written poorly. Oh, well, then we're already opposites. <laughs> okay, cool. That's perfect. Okay. <laughs> okay, so, um, Hunter, why don't you go ahead and lead the charge? I think Goku's written just as well as he has been in Dragon Ball Z, at least. I've not seen Dragon Ball. But, I mean, they didn't really change him all that much for me. I He's still a airheaded, simple person that just wants to fight the strongest people out there and see how much he can push himself and how strong he can get. Still very caring for his friends. I think that their consistency in remaining in the that line for him is something that makes it well written to not fully change the character and sure they may have played some jokes here or there that overplayed his stupidity a little bit but i don't think you can get any more stupid than he was in dragon ball z whenever he sent gohan to fight cell without realizing that gohan didn't love fighting the way that he does so I think that them playing into his stupidity in a more playful way is just for fun. It's a little fluff, and it might be annoying at times, but I don't think it makes for poor writing. I think that it is staying true to the character. Okay. I can understand that. Now, bear this in mind. Most of my argument is going to be coming from the fact that I have been re-watching the original Dragon Ball. And I can, I'm not just going to go against Super per se, because I do agree with the fact that you say that from Super, from Z to Super, it's consistent. I will argue that I think they upscaled the stupidity a little bit from Z to Super, but overall, I feel like he's, you know, from Dragon Ball to Super, there's a serious, serious change uh, because I feel like as if they turned him from a naive kid who has uh, a pretty good head on his shoulders. He understands things. He just doesn't quite understand the, uh, like, you know, modern world's, uh, you know, ideas. You know, the kid grew up in the woods. 
versus a guy here who doesn't even is so out of touch and so absor- self-absorbed with his own lust for combat. He sends his own kid to sit there and bite, fight quite literally the biggest threat the world has ever seen. So. All right. So that's the end of opening uh, discussion, opening statements. Uh, so your 10 minutes start now. Okay. Um, I didn't watch Super, but I think that part of it is that they're trying to play into the fact that they revealed, hey, Goku's actually an alien. He's a Saiyan. They revealed that really early on in Dragon Ball Z. And it's kind of in a Saiyan's blood, all of them, to be meat-headed warriors a little bit. Not fully, not like completely, but Goku has always loved fighting. Even not having seen regular Dragon Ball, he fell in love with it. I'm pretty sure that that was part of the premise of that show. And so it makes sense that with somebody who is presented as such a pure, simple-minded, and just innocent character, uh, who doesn't even want to fight to hurt people, just for fun, that his love for it would lead to some ignorance in the world. He's not the smartest. He he is a fighting genius and prodigy in his own way um, that keeps growing stronger and keeps learning new things for combat, but anything outside of that just doesn't really click with him. He's not the sharpest crayon in the box. True, and while I agree that he's not the sharpest... Um, there are times whenever I feel like, you know, he is written to be, as mentioned before, you know, a decent person. But then there are moments whenever he's written to be like, you know, the dullest knife in the entire cutlery at this point. And that's what really gets me is the lack of consistency more than anything else. Could you it's present like, an example? Like the entire time, like, um, like let's stick with Super on this one. He's shown to be a, you know, caring father, sitting there working on a farm to sit there, and one, to keep money flowing in the house, two, because to keep his wife off his ass. But then as soon as he gets the opportunity to talk to a specific deity who everybody is warning him, mind what you say because it will backfire on you in the biggest way possible, he goes and makes uh, recommends fighting a tournament. And instead of, like, having showcasing how that could have been a... Like, he doesn't really click that it was something that he shouldn't have done. It just make it to where he's written like, oh, well, it's a tournament. We'll be fine. We'll win. You're talking and, about Zenosama, correct? Yes. Bear this in mind. Uh, names and all that is a little funky with me. It's been a bit since I watched Super, so. No, that's fine. I just wanted to clarify so that whenever I make a statement, I knew where we were at on the wavelength. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, there's some moments when I feel like he's written all right, and some moments where he's written to be... Basically, his stupidity is what moves the plot forward, and it's that consistency that really numbs on me. So when the question is, is he well-written, I would say no. I would disagree, because one of the things, specifically going to the Zenosama reference that you're picking up, is originally... Whenever that happens, he is, he, and 
Beerus and his brother had done their fighting tournament between universes 7 and 6 for a set of larger, more powerful Dragon Balls. Um, and in that, Zenosama had come at first out of anger and was going to kibosh the thing and then ended up admitting to all of them in front of all of them he actually enjoyed watching it and he had fun. So I don't think that it's really that out of line for Goku to recommend a tournament amongst other universes whenever he's talking with Zenosama and Zenosama has already displayed and made clear he had fun and he kind of wants to do it again. So to me, that's not stupidity. It's just bluntness that like maybe he lacks a little bit of tact, but he's not somebody who is written in a way that he is very tactfully aware of himself in conversation. I think that that still fits his character. And I think that that leads to being well-written. And on top of that, he was doing the farm thing, but he really wasn't. He didn't want to. He didn't like it. He was just trying to keep Chi-Chi off his back. And she was getting all uppity and mad. Um, which has been a thing that just continuously goes on. If I were to say anybody's a poorly written character, to just make a comparison in the series, I think Chi-Chi is. Because oh, she grew God. up in these fighting tournaments and fell in love with him because of a fighting tournament and now hates the idea of it. And it's yes. such a 180. Whereas Goku, you're saying there's inconsistency, but I think the consistency is that he isn't dumb. He's just not tactful in conversations and he's not trying to be formal. Usually he is kind of laid back, relaxed, likes fighting, enjoys it for the fun of it, not trying to kill people, not trying to hurt them. And then in all of that, he just wants to seek out a stronger opponent to make himself better. True, but that also, that mindset has also placed him and others around him in serious uh, detriment more than one occasion. Um, I understand being a little tactless, but at the same time, you know, you keep beating your head on the wall. You're just going to walk away with either a heavy bruised skull or a broken one. My, and I feel like that's something that hasn't been really addressed all that much is that he instigates a lot of this to, and, um, well, I shouldn't say instigate because that makes it sound like he's directly part of the problem. And there are several times he's not, but it just seems like as if, you know, he just kind of lets it go on for too long. You know what I mean? And that's because he's not done getting his fill of fighting. Like, I, the whole premise of the anime is fighting. That's all that it is. If that's what it's written about, then it makes sense to have somebody as the lead character who wants to fight. And will let it go on a little too far or too long because he's seeking to better himself against a strong opponent. And if he judges them as worthy, he wants it to go on longer because the longer it does, the more he gains from it. He's a little right. bit greedy, a little bit selfish in that way, but not in a way that is with malice and that still stays true to his innocence in a way. It's his naivety. It's it's the innocence of a child who's like not able to tell the difference between right and wrong quite. So if they're finding enjoyment in something, they're they're finding enjoyment in it. 
And I, I hear you on that one. Bear this in mind. Mine's not real criticisms. It's more nitpicks at this point. So I don't have too much meat on this bone. But I hear with what you're saying. And to several extents, I do agree with you. Um, it's just that it's those moments whenever, like, I feel like it's forced humor. It just comes across as, like, ugh. Like, I hate to pull this up because this one's been brought up by a lot of people, and I feel like I'm beating a dead horse on this one. But the whole kissing thing, I feel like that wasn't necessarily written to be taken seriously, but just to kind of, like, add a little bit of uh, humor into a very, very dark premise. And it just comes across as weird as opposed to, like, humorous. I don't and... think that's poor character writing. I think that that's just poor joke writing. Oh, and... I agree, but at this point in time, it's all I've got to go go on for that because at this point, I really can't yell at anybody other than Toriyama himself because, like you said, yeah. that's that's just bad writing in general. It's not specific to Goku. I well, mean, I mean if Vegeta were it's, to do it's the same... also happened with Vegeta to just bring up the fact that you're bringing him up. Whenever Beerus first arrived and Vegeta was trying to accommodate him, he breaks down into a whole song and dance to try and keep Beerus from destroying the world. And that's not in Vegeta's character at all. It's much more in Goku's character to be like, what's kissing, than it is for Vegeta to break out in song and dance. Oh, I fully agree on that one. I mean, we're talking about a guy who didn't even want to do the fusion with nobody else watching mm -hmm. because he felt like his pride alone would sit there and cause it to, um, yep. you know, discourage him but willing to sit there and do a whole bingo thing that just like that felt wrong in every sense of the word i thought for a split second i was watching a parody i think that goku's consistency in staying true to his character like he wasn't a poorly written character i think he's a not super deep character but mm -hmm. one that fits the anime as and a lead. I I've got nothing. I've got nothing else. Well, you got 20 seconds left. You got any argument you want to make real quick? Um, actually, instead of an argument, I'd rather say that, uh, Hunter, I uh, absolutely agree with you on Chi-Chi. That's actually been something I've been feeling for quite some time, actually. <laughs> mm, yeah, no. Chi-Chi <laughs> is problematic. Very problematic. Bulma makes sense. Chi-Chi, no. <laughs> that right, actually sounds up. like a topic for a discussion next time. <laughs> All right, so I guess Hunter's the winner for this one. Uh, yeah, okay. I was going to say, yeah, just... So, originally, I was having a lot of difficulty kind of just thinking or choosing one. But even Xander was kind of, like, kind of like, I, I, I ain't got anything else, really. <laughs> well, because um, the biggest issue behind it is it's nitpicks necessarily through the writing itself. Not necessarily yeah. whether the character is well-written or not. Exactly, and question. having having an at least foot a good foothold on, like, you have to sound confident in order to sell things, right? Yeah. So that's that's basically kind of where it comes from. Is that like I personally like argument wise, I wasn't able to really do too much of a choice. If I'm being honest, because I've seen. I can see from both standpoints. It is very easy to see from both standpoints. Like, yes, he may have been written that way and he may have always been a bit of a dumbass. But by now he should have learned to maybe not be so much of a dumbass. Um, so Only if there, he cared there's a couple to, he of... doesn't. <laughs> Which, True. I agree. True. 
So, and that's not something I would know about him as a character. Mm. But that's still like, you know, just standpoint wise. Yeah, you, you, hunt, you want that one. Now, if we were comparing Goku instead of Super to the previous iterations of Goku as well written, if we were comparing him just Goku as a character versus another anime protagonist, I would have said no. He's a bad character, he's poorly written, there's no depth, there's no character development other than, oh, he got a new form, he got stronger. <laughs> he's uh, more monkey. Honestly, the biggest honestly, difference... Yeah. The biggest difference between uh, Goku and Z and Goku and Super is that in Z, Goku doesn't pick any fights. The fights come to him. Mm. That's all I gotta say I about that. Frieza. Yeah. No, oh, he went to Frieza because uh, because his friends went to Namek to uh, get the Dragon Balls, and Frieza happened to be there. I mean, a couple of the fights do come to him and fall on his lap and whatnot, but he does pick some of them. Yeah, to be fair, he does chase after Frieza, and there are several times whenever he could have either escaped or, you know, put the fight down uh, enough to where he can at least let everybody else get out. Instead, he's like, uh, like even at the very end, for example, whenever King Kai and everybody's yelling at him to hurry up and take him down, and Goku's like, "No, I want him to get at his strongest." That's like that uh, right there. That is a sandboard going also, in. <laughs> that right there. I, that's stupid. I would <laughs> also argue, even if he didn't pick the fight for himself, he did pick the fight between Gohan and Cell. He did do that. <laughs> yes, so, and that is probably the one thing I. Oh, the uh, so I think he in in that instance I think he made a good decision off of bad information because uh, he knew that he wanted Gohan to be the next guardian of Earth, but he didn't realize that Gohan didn't like to fight. Yeah, no, it it was it was also kind of a parenting error. I'm gonna send my child that is 12 to fight a monster just because a, I sensed that he was stronger than me. A like, child that has a lot more potential than he does. Yeah, like, yeah, he has more potential, but, like, the kid didn't yeah, like no, fighting. Yeah, no, that is a parenting and... error to the fucking max. You do not send your child, your young child. That is child. how you induce trauma. To be oh, fair. exactly how you... Jonathan, to be would fair, you send Dante. Would you send Dante? It, okay, this is different. We don't have powers. We're yes, he saying. would. No, we're not. He, we're not saying. Absolutely, this, he would. In that situation, would you? Have but sent Goku, okay, Goku okay. wasn't wrong. Dante? Goku beats or Gohan Dante beats Cell. <laughs> That's actually. No. <laughs> As a parent, you should be able to communicate that with your child. Yeah. No. I mean, you should Goku, be able to talk with your child. Goku should have been a better uh, should have been better about knowing his son's feelings, but Goku's at the end of the day, not was... even knowing, just communicating and saying, "Hey, kid, you want to go fight this big bad guy?" And he's like, "No, I fucking don't." And you'd be like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." I I honestly don't think Goku's a bad dad. I think he's made a lot of parental mistakes, but I don't think he's a bad dad at the end of the day. I'm not saying he's a bad dad. I'm just saying that was stupid. I no, did. Hunter the reason did. I, I say he's a bad dad is because he's not even, 
like technically around properly parenting for the majority of the time and he's actively at odds with his wife and like yeah he looks after and cares for his kids but he's also a very absent father yeah, he only started fair, getting absent though, after yeah. he died the first time yeah, i was about to say to be fair being dead is uh kind of <laughs> unfortunate unavoidable <laughs> yeah and gohan ran off to namek so you know it's not like yeah, were... but then he wasn't there for like the whole time Goten was growing up because he was like, I thought about it and everybody's coming after me. I'm just going to stay dead after Cell. And then Boo showed up and he's like, well, I guess I have to come back. Well, funny That's thing is he... six circumstances, really, as opposed he... to... And I can... Oh, go ahead. To be, to be fair, that happened while he came, like, like, while he came back to Earth. So he... technically he wasn't wrong. <laughs> Uh, but they so, were there for Gohan, not for him. So yeah, anyway, that was wrong. So we have one more, don't we? We got two, two got more. One more. There's two more. Two more. Fuck. Two more. I can't count. Both are chance. Yeah. Both are chance. Uh, uh, but so, I know. Okay. As the pod, as the podcast director, I'm going to say that. Uh, this next debate is going to be between Chance and Xander because I feel like Chance versus myself uh, would be probably the best way to end the debates. I was going to say, yeah, Zelda, do that last. Okay. <laughs> it's the most important one. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, opening statements. And we uh, have big disagree. Oh, boy. Here we true. go. Uh, so the, this the, the topic is going to be what is the best Pokemon generation? Uh, and honestly, I think I know what Xander's is, but I'm not entirely sure. So Xander, why don't you start off? Okay. So when it comes to Pokemon, now bear this in mind, I have been out of the game for quite some time, uh, mostly because the fact that I've been publicly discouraged about like enjoying Pokemon. So therefore I've had to kind of reignite the passion and, some may say it's nostalgia. Some may actually um, agree with me. But to me, the very, very best generation would have to be the original 151 Pokemon Generation 1. I'm not surprised. I don't know why I made that sound epic, but... <laughs> In this essay, I will... Anyway. Uh, is that the end of your statement? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, take it away, Chance. Okay, so best gen is three. It's not even not even close. Uh, the only thing the other gens after three have going for them is that gen three is part of them. Unfortunately, Xander's going for gen one, which doesn't have gen three in it. Therefore, <laughs> he's already lost this argument. Gen <laughs> opening statement over. Wow, talk about a fiery statement. All right, your uh, your ten minutes. Right? Your okay. Ten minutes statement start with no substance. <laughs> now. Shut the fuck up. There was so much fucking substance. I'm going to go ahead Not and a substance as trying to figure out what am I looking at when it came to Gen 3. I didn't even know what half the Pokemon were. Wait, hold on. Uh, timer starts now. All right, go ahead. Really, you were that lost into Gen 3? <laughs> Dude, I picked up Gen 3. I was looking at it. I was like, are these supposed to be animals, or is this supposed to be like some kind of like weird shrub thing that's blinking at me? At least the original Gen genuinely looked like animals that could hypothetically exist. 
Okay, but hear me out. In Gen 3, you get Metagross. Yep, there it is. Are you sure it's not because of the Garnivore for you? Uh, Gardevoir also exists, but Metagross is the coolest Pokemon. It's just true. Um, yeah, um, I'm not too keen on a generation that literally tries to copy Pikachu's cuteness on two separate Pokemons. Wait, which ones? Plusy and Minusy, or whatever oh. they're fucking. Oh, plus. Yeah, Plusel and Minum, they're they're kind of stupid. Yeah, I don't even oh. like those two. <laughs> well, at least we agree on that. I will say that Gen Three does have some uh, Pokemon in there that genuinely look pretty damn cool. Like I'm a fan of the uh, uh, Poochyena, I think they're called. Yeah, Poochyena is cool. Yeah, Poochyena like it's just, and uh, it's just a dog. Yeah, like some several of them that I've had pulled up here that I'm looking at genuinely look pretty interesting. Um, but some of them, Steve. I am trying to figure out, like, why is there a cactus here who looked like he could be a basketball? Hey, nothing wrong with that one. There's uh, the sun and moon. That is pretty una uh, unimaginative when it comes to realizing what kind of animals we could be using. Hey, like <laughs> hey, hey, Soul Rock is cool. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm sitting here looking at Gen 1, okay? These are genuine animals. Like a uh, squirrel, easily a turtle. You have Charmander. But they're not supposed to be animals. They're supposed to be monsters. They're pocket monsters. Okay, you look at a Pikachu or a Raichu and they're telling me that you could call that thing a monster. I I mean, yeah, it, it fires electricity from its face. So does a freaking e electric eel. I wouldn't call it a monster. <laughs> uh, that's that's different. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not gonna uh, yeah. go into how eels work today. <laughs> I'm just saying that the uh, the level of creativity that the original generation had was exponential. They didn't have anything to uh, kind of go off of. Not like next gen. Other generations had to. Not to mention. Generation 1 has one of my all-time favorite sad stories, and that is the creation of Mewtwo. Always will be my personal favorite. Because it hey, is hey. freaking dark. You're talking about the movies. The movies have nothing to do with the games. The games also sit there and kind of put that shoehorn, that plot in there. I, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, if you sit there and have a Mewtwo wandering around the freaking exhibits, you'll sit there and notice your freaking Mewtwo getting tensed up, which is kind of hinting around the idea of that. Now, the uh, the remake games of the Let's Go series definitely make a greater connection to it. But I also figure that, you know, maybe that was the case. It was, Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I don't know because I wasn't part of the room when they were inventing these things. But back to my point, I feel that um. the level... I feel like the level of creativity is definitely great, uh, pretty great there. I mean, I'm looking here at like a Caterpie, Metapod, Butterfree. The evolutions make sense to me. We have a small turtle growing into a big walking, talking Gatling gun. Um, a little lizard turning into a dragon, hashtag non-dragon. Um, you know, there is a level of, there's some kind of line of... Uh, uh, there's a string here to these evolutions that make a little bit more sense to me. Um, some of these okay. other... Go ahead. What of this makes it the best, though? Because I think that the reason that Pokemon hit its stride in Gen 3 
is because they weren't quite out of ideas yet and they'd had enough time to refine what they started with. Like, you don't have fucking Trubbish in Gen 3, which is actually trash Pokemon. Okay. Um, I mean, I can understand that, but I'm just looking at the level of design here. Um, when it comes to stats, I'm not really paying attention all that much because I don't pay attention to stats. Um, and I don't think I brought up stats. Well, when you say trash, I figured uh, I thought you were talking. No, about I mean, there's actually a Pokemon called Trubbish, which evolves into Garboder, oh, which yeah, is garbage. Legitimately garbage. I understand that. Yeah, I'm not talking about stats. Like, really, a lot of Pokemon from every generation are viable competitively. Like, even Gen 1 Pokemon can still hold up pretty well. I would hope so, considering that some of these Gen 1 Pokemons are supposed to be quote-unquote legendary, such as, like, Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres. Uh-huh. Uh, Gen 3 has pseudo-legendaries, which is cool. I don't know. Pseudo-legendaries may be a part of original. Hunter, you know things. Were there, uh, were there pseudo-legendaries in original? Gen 1? Kigao. I think there were. Dragonite. I think that Dragonite is technically one of them. And also Dragonite's oh, yeah. evolution yeah, you're right. doesn't make sense. I mean, to be fair... Oh, yeah. From... I'm going to complain about Dragonite real quick. Go for Fucking... it. I love, absolutely adore the design of Dratini. And then it evolves into fucking Dragonite and changes color. And I hate it. Whoa, whoa, I hate it whoa. so much. Whoa, whoa. Hang on. It's Dratini, then Dragonair, and then Dragonite. There's that middle I know. Personally. I love Dratini and Dragonair. And then Dragonite makes me sad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, there's like, it, it, you can see a connection between Dratini and Dragonair, but when Dragonite comes in, it's like a freaking tornado sitting there doing a freaking entirely. It's like a hook. completely different Pokemon. We're off topic. Yes. I really like Gen 3. I think the mechanics are really good. I think the games hold a special place in my heart because I played them when I was young, uh, which is probably why most people like Gen 1, too. But Gen 3 is where I played the first games, and they're. They're just really nice to look at. Like, I feel like the Game Game Boy Advance was a sweet spot, where it was just really nice to play those games, uh, and it wasn't quite as ghetto as the original, like where you had to hold a flashlight on your screen to be able to see at night. <laughs> well, I do agree that the uh, Game Boy uh, was limited by technology. Um... But the level of design in each individual sprite was definitely a labor of love. You can definitely see how that was the case with this. And I'm not saying Gen 3 didn't have that. I'm just saying that, you know, the amount of... Uh, oh, yeah, Gen 3 had that. But they... Ooh, the effort goes down real fast once you start going past it. Oh, they start I, reusing character sprites. It's... it's yeah. Eh, it's rough. And, and as um, as you kind of mentioned how you grew up playing Gen 3, I fully understand that. I grew up with basically my only uh, game being Pokemon Stadium, uh, and that was predominantly just Gen 1 all over the place, so that's where it has a special place in my heart. Oh my god, I forgot something. Okay. Gen 3 has Colosseum, like the actual best Pokemon game that's ever existed. 
the game that I've never played, and I oh, you so should play Coliseum. It's it's actually amazing. Put it in front of me, and I will certainly play you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't have a I don't have a GameCube game anymore. Oh yeah, GameCube. Big Cube, sad. <laughs> but yeah, well, Coliseum is an amazing game. <laughs> but yeah, um, I. For gameplay purposes, um, I will definitely say that Gen 1 has a lot to be desired. Um, there's just so many features that we take for granted uh, nowadays that were not in the originals. So when you, uh, like, if you actually pick up a Gen 1 copy, like play it on your 3DS or something like that, you can definitely, like, notice... Uh, oh, it's dated, yeah. Oh, very much so. It is extraordinarily dated. Like, um... Well, probably the most uh, one I've heard people bring up is XP sharing. Like, you have to actually sit there and pull out your old Pokemon, your other Pokemons before the fight even starts, just so that way you can get it in uh, some uh, XP in there, have them switch out, and then have your main sit there and destroy the competition. Oh yeah, Gen three was the beginning of XP share, and it wasn't very good at the time, no, but I it did help. Right, it did if, help a lot. It, yeah, it certainly did. Um, Gameplay wise. Definitely dated, but if we're talking like design-wise, it's the first one will always be a special place for me. And how much time do we have? Seven seconds. All right. Uh, I think we kind of agree. <laughs> and done. Okay. Also, uh, this was best generation, not necessarily best uh, best game. So you could have talked about the movies yep. if you wanted to. I was going to say movie should have been perfectly fine. Because generation, but okay. I, I'm not sure if I can choose a winner for this particular one because of two things. Uh, main thing is a, a lot of them were just me me statements. <laughs> <laughs> so many me me statements. Well, what like the very from? beginning was just Metagross. <laughs> fuck everything else because Metagross. And I'm like, well, like uh -huh. not everyone. Not everyone's favorite Pokemon is Metagross, though. Metagross sucks. Yeah, but it's fucking um, cool. But, so, uh, it was, honestly, I'm not sure if I can really choose a winner for this one. Both of them, they turned into good arguments as you went, uh, when you started getting into, like, gameplay aspects and stuff like that for the different ones, and kind of, like, how one may have not been as good gameplay-wise, but... The design on it, you could see they put the work and effort into it, which definitely helps it. Um, whereas the other one, you do have, you know, it's later on, so you have more things that you can do. Those are both really cool. I just heard a lot of Mimi statements, <laughs> and I'm just like, well, that's a lot of personal preference there. I think huh. where I get stuck at is that Xander made a lot of arguments that could also be made for Gen 3. They could exactly. very well be. Uh, both of them could have been, yeah. So there's a few, but all in all, they were both pretty, they were good conversation points at the very least. Oh yeah, yeah, very much so. I just took a line and just ran with it. You did oh, what yeah. you could, and you did as well as you could. <laughs> I yeah. mean, there was a lot of things that uh, Chance was saying that I was like, oh yes, I agree, I agree, but I gotta argue! <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and it was a good argument. Honestly, Chance probably had a very good argument when it came to certain things gameplay-wise, but I also think that Gen 1 was a uh, a victim of its time. 
Oh, very much yeah. so. That's why like, I'm just glad that they didn't sit there and completely leave it in the dust. Yeah. That's why it's harder so, to argue for Gen 1, because all the other Gens include Gen 1. Yeah. <laughs> and just build upon it to make it better, yeah. Exactly. Gen 1 was probably the hardest one to pick to argue for. It depends I do on like how you're looking Gen at 1 it. a lot, though. If you're looking at just yeah, no, yeah, her, her favorite Pokemon's from Gen 1. I was going to say, per, uh, personal preference, Gen 1's one of my favorites. Um, mm. But argument-wise, it is hard to choose. Like, yeah. something Xander could have <laughs> countered uh, Chance with. Chance was like, oh, you need a flashlight to play your game. Uh, Xander could have countered with, well, you can play Fire, Red, and Leaf Green on the Game Boy Advance SP. That is true. Yeah, but at the uh, same time, got to remember, I am not the It doesn't have the same to, spirit. Um, what they've done afterwards. So That's fair. Like I, I mean, I wasn't kidding when I said I was actually publicly shamed for liking Pokemon at my age, and I basically and dropped it. that's fucking stupid. There's a lot of things I've been through that were fucking stupid, but we'll get off of that subject for the sake of my own... Just get uh, off of the subject. Let's let's just get off the subject. Whoop, whoop. So let's get off the subject by picking a winner. Haha, <laughs> not gonna happen. Um, See. so unfortunately, this has ended in a draw. The only draw that we're probably gonna have, because right. there were a ton of Mimi statements, and on an objective stance, it would be hard to make a non-biased opinion. On that. I honestly thought that Chance would have won, but he didn't state facts. <laughs> he stated a lot of personal opinions. and That's those are exactly where to... it came from. If he yeah. used facts, I would have been able to work with it. Um, because, kind of like the previous arguments that you guys have had, you use some of the facts. Like, hey, it does help out with new players or something like that, right? Mm. I, no. <laughs> <laughs> The only fact I really heard was, at least I, I don't have to use a flashlight to play my game. Like, that's <laughs> it, because you would have had to have used a flashlight. I had to use a flashlight. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, there were some legitimate statements in there, and I'm just like, damn it, he's right. What am I supposed to say? I had to use I a flashlight Google, to play. I did Google what the major differences were between gen 1 and 3 and i found a thing that talks about like what are the major changes or additions that occurred every generation and whenever they start with gen 1 they just put a uh, dot 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 pokemon battling because, <laughs> you know that's the first thing that they you know and then gen 2 it's like they added the special defense stat so they finally separated special out from just being special and counting for both attack and special defense to being special attack and special defense separate. And then yeah. Gen 3 was the addition of abilities. Gen 3 has much more refined gameplay for sure. Yeah. Oh, it has, that's where abilities started? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, that's and mean. then Gen 4 is where the physical special split took place. Gen 5 is hidden abilities. And Gen 6 is mega evolutions. I also loved how Chance kept going to later generations, even though that wasn't even part of the argument. Gen yeah, 3 was... is also the first no, one to I'm introduce saying... double battles. 
I was saying that I think Gen 3 is better than the later ones because they still had the originality. But you're not arguing against the later generations. You're arguing against a previous I'm generation. arguing which one's the best one, which means you have to go against every generation, not just the one that you're talking like arguing. I, mean, I think that's a fair statement. Yeah, he's not wrong. Yeah, he's not wrong. Like, yeah, Xander decided to argue one of them for being the best, being the first, but chances and like neither of them were just arguing against each other's generations. They were arguing their generation against all the others and why theirs was the best what? and most standout. Yes, yeah, see, see that that makes sense in my mind. Um also, Gen 3 was the first one to introduce weather. Oh yeah, cuz you get cast form. Mhm. Mm that's probably entirely the reason that they added weather to it. Also, like, the only reason to made play later Pokemon. Only reason to play Ruby and Sapphire's Pokemon contests. Um, Gen two is the one that introduced gender and breeding and friendship and held items and shinies and Pokerus. Wait, Gen two introduced shinies? I thought that was yeah. like yep. a real, real later nope. thing. No, Gen, Gen two can't have shinies, shinies without. Without color. Uh, they also are the one that changed bug and poison's effectiveness against each other, along with Psychic losing its immunity to Ghost and becoming uh, weak to it instead. And well, fire resisting ice. We should probably move on to the final thing, because it is getting late. Hmm. So that was uh, Xander versus Chance ending in a tie, giving them both a point, I would argue. Yep, both get a point. Both had something to say. Congratulations. Yay! Uh, all right, so last, uh, last, last debate topic is going to be me, myself versus Chance, best Zelda game. Uh, Chance, if you want, you can go ahead and do your opening statement. No, you go first. I want to hear your bad opinion. All right. My bad opinion uh, <laughs> is that Breath of the Wild is the best Zelda game. Uh, and a lot of people might not agree with that with the sense that it's not like the other Zelda games. Um, and over the years, they have kind of developed this Zelda formula. And uh, Breath of the Wild is like a bold new step in a different direction. And I think that's something the series needed because uh, a lot of people have been viewing as like the formula getting stale. And I can kind of agree with that, uh, especially after playing all the different 3D Zelda games in a row. They kind of play very, very similar. Um, and with Breath of the Wild, um, it emphasized exploration. And that's something that Shigeru Miyamoto kind of created the Zelda franchise for is to capitalize on his sense of exploration that he felt as a kid and i think that's something that breath of the wild really does great you explore you discover new and fantastical things and you can even go through a whole playthrough and not not see everything you can do multiple playthroughs and still not see everything there's just so much to find and I think that's uh, that's probably one of its biggest strengths. That's my opening statement. Okay. I'm not going to argue against Breath of the Wild yet. We're not there. But I do think that Majora's Mask is the best Zelda game. And it's 
for some pretty simple reasons. It does follow the Zelda formula, which is something that I very much enjoy. And I think Breath of the Wild went a little bit too far away from it just to do something new instead of, you know... Like, it does things really well, but... I think it went too far away from that thing that I fell in love with, which is why I looked forward to every Zelda game since I played the first one that I played. Um, Majora's Mask is a very character-driven game. Uh, like, the reason that you play it is because the characters are the main focus. Like, the plot is really not that complicated at all. It is Mask Guy... Uh, throw moon into into planet and planet die in three days uh the thing that makes that special is all the side quests like the main content okay so majora's mask has three dun four dungeons <laughs> sorry it has four dungeons and they are all fan fucking tastic like they are all straight bangers even the weakest of them which i think would probably be the water one like, those three dungeons are so good that it makes up for only having four. The The game that Donovan's talking about also has four. Just they suck ass. Um, I think that's enough for opening statement. I'm ready to throw hands. So much for not attacking Breath of the Wild, huh? I can't. I can't not do it. Like, it, it does Majora's Mask worse. All right, the timer starts now. Uh... So, cool. yeah, it has more than four dungeons. Uh, it has, like, 150 dungeons or something like that. The shrines do not fucking count. They do because they're puzzles, and dungeons have puzzles. They're puzzles. They are not dungeons. Dungeons contain puzzles. They are not puzzles. I, well, I mean, honestly, though, they, uh, the, the shrines are probably... Uh, I argue that they do count as like little mini dungeons because of the fact that they do present a puzzle that you need to overcome. And, you know, uh, if we're not talking about the motion control puzzles, which are obvious bullshits, um, all the other uh, puzzles are like really, really creative for the most part. They're, they Are they are they memorable? Uh, oh, some of them are, not all of them, <laughs> so, to, to be fair. But, like, uh -huh. it doesn't need to be memorable to be fun. And honestly, sometimes it's better that it's not memorable, so that way you can go back and, oh, it's, oh, it's a, like a whole new experience, basically. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that's also something that Breath of the Wild does really well, is that, like, every new playthrough is, like, a whole different experience, because you're not going to do the same thing every single time. Uh, um, whereas Majora's think... Mask is extremely linear. For the people on stream that haven't heard me say this, I do think Breath of the Wild is an incredible game. I think it's such a good game. I don't think it's a very good Zelda game. I, I think that what it's really missing that makes me think it's not a good Zelda game is there's no items. There's not a single fucking item in the game that you get from completing one of the Divine Beasts. And that really kind of cheapens it for me because that's part of the the progression is making your character stronger and in breath of the wild you make your character stronger by making the numbers bigger and i uh, i don't think that's meaningful 
So I'm going to call that out as your first bullshit statement. You do get something from the Divine Beast. You get abilities. Uh-huh. Which is basically another item. Because, like, you know... What do they the, do? Uh, well, one of them lets you come back to life after being killed with some temporary hit points. So it's a fairy. Uh, another one is, like, a devastating AoE attack, which is really, really great. Uh-huh. Uh, another is an So it's a Bombos medallion. <laughs> uh, well, it, fucking Majora's Mask doesn't have Bombos medallion. It has um, a bomb mask. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, fucking um, uh, one of them is like you get to jump really, really high and glide down, which is really good for movement and mobility. You got something to say against that one? Um, I don't know. It's kind of like Rock's Cape in the 2D games. Yeah, okay. So, and also... Uh, the the final one is like an impenetrable defense that automatically parries. The shield. It's right, just so, another shield on top of your shield. So it's, it's, it's the worst Hylian shield because it breaks. So I want to draw what you you're arguing against. You are comparing them to items that you get at, uh, at from other games, but you're arguing that this game doesn't have items. It doesn't. But you're comparing it they, to items that exist in other games. I am. However, they're not the same. Do you, you don't even get the thing that you're talking about until you beat the dungeon. Therefore, you can't use it to beat the dungeon. It opens no possibilities for your, your puzzle solving because you can't use them in dungeons or shrines. But you get to... You get that sense of strength by having them, by making the fights easier. Even like you unless can take you're them into in a other dungeons. Well, I mean, the the shrines are like many dungeons, like we already talked about. It's not even the main part of the game. Um, but you then can why use them. can't you use the things that they gave you? Well, I mean, you can just in other places. Like you can take them to other dun- like other uh, divine beasts, or even like the be- the like what I would argue is probably the best dungeon in the game, uh, Hyrule Castle, which you neglected to say uh-huh. earlier. Uh, and that's not a dungeon. It is, in fact, a dungeon because there are multiple levels that you can uh, that you can explore. You can go into why. Like, dip- um, so why would so, you explore them? Why would you explore them? Because there's a lot of things that you can find, uh, a lot of different items you can collect, including the fucking Hyrule shield is in there. Um, and honestly, like just seeing Hyrule castle the way it is and, uh, is interesting because you can kind of, uh, like just figure, Hold on, let me try to um, uh, reassess what I'm trying to say. Um, the reason to explore is to try to figure out where you need to go, right? Um, because it's not uh-huh. just given to you. you. You have to figure that out yourself. It's pretty fucking obvious. Well, yeah, but there's like multiple ways to get into the castle. There's multiple ways to travel through the castle. You don't need to go through one set path. Uh-huh. It's not linear. So, and that's one thing that this game does really great is non-linearity. That is one thing that the game does really well. You know what other Zelda game does that really well without, you know, compromising the formula? What's that? 
a link between worlds, but nobody played that one, so we're not even going to talk about it right now. Yeah, but like uh, how 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 long can you stick to a formula before before it becomes too formulaic and you got to change something? I'm not saying it's a bad thing that they changed it. I think they did it too much. I think Tears of the Kingdom that's coming out soon is specifically going to fix the problems that Breath of the Wild created. We can't really speak on that one, though, because we don't know how it's going to be. I don't know for sure, but from everything I've seen so far, it looks like that's exactly what they're doing. Is They're going, you know what? Breath of the Wild kind of fucks this up. Let's, let's, let's step it back a little bit and find a nice, happy medium. Yeah, that's fair. But back to Breath of the Wild, though. Um, I think you really downplay how many items you can get because like yeah you're mainly just increasing your number for the most part but there's also like multiple different uh-huh. weapon types you can get multiple different fighting styles you got your rune powers which uh you do get at the beginning of the game but that's like your main like the main way that they balance the different puzzles uh and because it's so non-linear they kind of had to do that uh, which I, I know you say that um, it goes against the Zelda formula, but I also have to argue that you don't have to. No, I don't on. mind that. I wish they'd done that and added other things. Like, I think having bombs on a cooldown is fucking fantastic. I don't like having to go find items. Yeah, that's great. Like, the powers are unlimited. You don't really have a resource outside of what's in your inventory uh, whenever it comes to you like, just doing things. Uh, but, like, the world... The world interaction, I think, is also probably something that's great about Breath of the Wild. Um, you can cut down trees, you can set things on fire, and you can use that fire to glide throughout the the, the, the world, and I think that's great. With uh-huh. Majora's Mask, and I do love Majora's Mask to pieces. It's a great game, I think. Um, you don't really have a lot of different ways you can play that game like you do in Breath of the Wild. There's only one way to play it. It's not a sandbox. It's not a sandbox. It's really simple. Yeah. Um, and I think Majora's Mask's strength is its atmosphere and its character interaction. but And its story. But this... Yeah. The story, I, do, I, will, I will agree, is better than Breath of the Wild because Breath of the Wild um, relies on memories and you don't really have that much agency in that. But I didn't even go find the memories. <laughs> oh, you really should like, though. I mean, I'm sure they're all right, but like, if you want your player to go out of the way to find the base story in your game, you're not doing enough. Yeah, and I think that's a fair argument to make. Um, but with Majora's Mask. I don't know. I, it can be really intimidating to other players with the whole three-day cycle thing. Nobody likes being on a timer. And I think Majora's Mask does really well with it, but it still can be intimidating think, looking on the from the outside looking in. I think there's one thing that they did that makes that not as much of a problem as people think it is, and it's just the inverted song of time. As long as you know the inverted song of time exists, then the three-day cycle is not very intimidating. Because it's three hours per day. But you still run into an issue where you... No, time's up. No, no, we're just going to keep going. The the timer doesn't matter.
This is the yeah. this is the argument that it, that matters. Yeah, I, was gonna, a big whole, I think this is the pot reason the podcast was made so you two can fight about this. Yeah, speedrunners uh, so, like being on a timer. I said it. Yeah, speedrunners like being on a timer, but not not the average player. Honestly, the Majora's Mask speedrun really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but so like nobody likes being on a timer, and you do run into an issue. Aside for speedrunners, uh, you do run into an issue where you still can run out of uh, run out of time, and whenever you run out of time, you have to recreate all the steps that you did in order to get to where you were. Uh huh. And that can be a bad thing on first playthrough. Like that's not a secret. Like if you have to redo everything that you did because you fucked up one piece of the Anjou and Cafe quest line, then that's not but ideal. Which is the most but complicated sub sequence. You try it again. Yeah, I remember how many how times I had to reset better. that fucking quest. It sucked. There, there's a few things that Majora's Mask 3D does better, and that's one of them specifically, is that you, when you do the double song of time, you can go to any point in the day instead of just jumping forward 12 hours. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that Majora's, Ma uh, Majora's Mask 3D fixes one thing and fucks up other things. Yeah, that's that's what makes me really mad about that. Like, <laughs> Nintendo, don't add an eyeball to every fucking boss in the game. It's not necessary. <laughs> I'm uh, not here to complain about Majora's Mask 3D like usual. But my closing statement, I think, is going to be that Breath of the Wild is... Uh, yes, a bold new step away from the Zelda formula. I think it is making way for a whole new Zelda formula. I think Breath of the Wild is a very good game, and I think Tears of the Kingdom is going to be a better game. It looks like it's going to have story, which is already a step up. Um, but I do think that Majora's Mask, the, the focus on the side quests and the individual characters that you meet, I think that's why it makes my heart it, it has my heart. I love that game. And done. All right. Okay. This this one was also incredibly good fucking points on both because for one, yes, the the goddamn Breath of the Wild, the formula and how they changed it up is really really cool. And not only that, it also brings into thought, you know. Uh, new players, people that are new to the formula, new types of people that want to join. Um, Majora's Mask does have that huge-ass focus on story, which a lot of people play the games for. Um, so both are like really powerful points, and those are only a, two points from a whole fucking conversation. Um, ugh, it, it's difficult Fuck. Uh, man, okay. Not using my biased opinion. I would have to say, on basis of better game, what makes a game better? <laughs> there are like three things that I can think of. Well, One is story. Go ahead. Gameplay aspect. And just formatting in general. Right? 
At least those are the three that I come up with. Um, I don't know. Emotional impact for me in a game is that's really important. Story. That's part yeah, of story. I know it's part, that's part of, story, of story, but that's in, that's a huge part it's, of story. It's if the story's story. shitty, then you're not gonna really care about it. Well, it also depends on what you're playing the game for in the first place. If you're looking for a good story and it doesn't have that, that's fine. That's where you're going to come across that little bit of a hurdle. However, if you're playing a game just to play a game, uh, John Carmack said it best. Story in a game is like a story in a porn film. It's expected to be there, but it's not the main focus. Uh, well, the thing is, is depends that, on that's why you play where... games. Exactly, that's argue, where the other aspects come into play. So I would argue ability that a Legend of Zelda title is, is considered story a story based. game because it is single player, and it's not just a sandbox. Like, the first one to try and open it to sandbox is Breath of the Wild, but I, I can see where Chance is saying that they he doesn't like that they stepped away from the formula. I can see where Donovan's saying he does like it. I think not having a stake in this race yet, not having played... A, the only Zelda game I've played all the way through is Phantom Hourglass. That's but it. But I've never played that's any sad. games either. So you can say that's bad, that's your it. opinion. But um, <laughs> that doesn't make it right. What I am going to say <laughs> is that hearing you constantly say that Breath of the Wild doesn't have a story, to me... I feel like they shouldn't have... I feel like Breath of the Wild is more than a step away from the formula. I feel like it is leaps okay. and bounds away from the formula. True. And you can do smaller changes first without totally changing the game and making it a completely different game. And then yeah. a thing that I find problematic is the statement that there's no story. Why would you make a story game with no story? So there is a story. It's just they tell it kind of weird. It is incredibly loosely told. It is not. It's not like tight knit, like straightforward. It is very much a you learn through the story. Um, like, but I, but I also feel that with Legend of Zelda, that's not necessarily how you originally go about doing it, and that's where a part of it does bound away a little, a little too much from the formula um the open box uh the sandbox that makes it amazing the fact that you can do a lot of things and i hunter you can complain as much as you fucking want the durability system stuff like that <laughs> you can um, introduce a durability system without turning it into your only item management i thought of that while they were arguing this because they're talking about chance doesn't want to do item management he doesn't like having to find items and hunt them down so getting rid of them and mm -hmm. making them powers and putting bombs on a cooldown then you just decide, okay, we got rid of item management. We don't really want to fully do that, so we're going to turn the item management into your okay. weapon. I would, That's stupid hold, to me. Hold on. I would argue so, item okay. management wasn't really that much of a discussion, especially durability, so we probably shouldn't talk about that. I was going to say, yeah. So that was that was just saying. So I, I thought things like that, that was a new thing that was implemented, right? Because that was just stuff that was implemented was nice. But... When it comes on terms of Zelda, I also would honestly have to say it is a story-based. It is a story-based series. It is incredibly story-based. And with how loosely they made that story in Breath of the Wild, or not loosely, but how 
I just not came up as with a pretty prominent. good idea for something I should have said. I would oh. ar- also argue that yeah. Zelda has a pretty good split between story and gameplay. It so, most of the time does. Real quick, I want to say before uh, I fucking forget this, because I will for some <laughs> reason. Um, uh, I I think the reason that they made Majora's Mask was because Ocarina was to Ocarina of Time was so good that they wanted to reuse the engine and make another game. And I legitimately think that Breath of the Wild was to buy them more time to make Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> that's a funny, funny theory. That, I mean, that's a funny way of fucking looking at that. Um, I mean, because there's five years between Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. If they didn't put a Zelda game out for ten years, people would have been livid. Yeah, but uh, preferably just just from what I've heard and from a, a general standpoint, because again, we aren't just comparing anything. We're comparing the games themselves, the series of Legend of Zelda. As a Legend of Zelda fan who I am, you know, not as much of because I haven't actually played the games, I have watched a lot of gameplay. I've heard a lot of lore. I am not a player myself. <laughs> not of that game. Um, of that, I would lean more towards Majora's Mask in the story aspect. Um, Now, if we were going, what's the best game on specific standards, like gameplay, I would have probably leaned heavily more towards Breath of the Wild, based on the argument that's been given. Uh, But yeah, I'm sorry, Chance kind of wins this one this time. Wait, I'm confused because you you kind of said that both went in a way. Oh, wow. they, no, they both. Were I think well. that it's because they the they they were both it good is... arguments, but because it's specifically best Zelda game, Breath of the and Wild steps really game. far away from that in losing its story aspect, and it's maybe a better game in gameplay mechanics, but not a better Zelda game. Zelda. You would have that's, a much yeah, easier saying. time yes. arguing that Breath of the Wild is a better game, because it's, you know, 20 years newer. Game in general, yes, but yeah. um, but Zelda game. So that's what I was playing off of. If I were a Zelda-like fan, well, that's fair. where would I view that? So that that's where I went. So that that's just what I saw. I was going to say, gameplay-wise, Hunter had it right. Gameplay-wise, if, if we were judging based on that, I would have definitely seen it as Breath of the Wild. Uh, but as a Zelda fan, I probably would have gone for Majora's Mask. Yeah. Like That's I, fair. Yeah. Just, if they hadn't stepped so far away from the formula, then it could have also won the better Zelda game with smaller changes more incrementally. And whenever you yeah. said the whole how long can a formula hold out, I wanted to say, but not interrupt, look at Pokemon. We can figure that <laughs> out. Oh, my <laughs> oh God. to be it fair, people out, but I am getting time. fucking tired of people them not changing been at all. Bitching about I Pokemon, mean, so I don't want to hear that. People have been, I mean, but you know they've still been buying them. So Yeah, but they don't Pokemon doesn't change at all. It's the same game. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. A formula that works can hold out for a long time. People may complain, but they'll still buy the game because they want the game. You know why? Because it's appealing to kids, and kids are the backbone of that franchise. Meanwhile, all of us bought the last Pokemon game, except Xander. And played through it fully. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't. I didn't play through it fully yet. 
okay, yeah, most of us played it through it fully, but all of us bought it and played quite a bit. That's true. Yeah. All right, so as far as the debates go, it looks like there's a three-way tie between myself, Hunter, and Chance. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, if you don't want, if you want to take the tie between Xander and Chance out of consideration to be a tie between me and Hunter. Okay. All right then. Okay, All right. So, so that's uh that's the debates. What what'd you guys think of that? Was it fun? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody got too heated. Um, everything stayed pretty cordial. I that was the best part for me. Yeah, I only really yeah, cared about one of the topics. I didn't have to use the duck once. That's good. Yeah, I didn't have yeah. to use the duck anyway, just to make yourself feel better. I I can't. I'm in. I'm still on my phone. Ah, fuck! You are on your phone. No, hold yeah. on. Do I have access to the duck? I think I do. Quack. <laughs> also, wait, wait. How is everyone doing do this? Clap? Can you do a golf clap? Congratulations is this a, on the is this a Discord thing? Yeah. Holy shit, it's yes. a Discord thing. Nut. Nut. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Wait, there's a nothing? Well, you can add custom I sounds. Have one. You can add custom sounds. That's fucking great. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Yeah, what a so- great stream. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and uh, say that's a wrap for the podcast today. Uh, I don't have Alrighty. the next big topic uh, planned just yet, but I will start thinking on something that we can do next. I would like to do debates again at some point, but it might be a while before we do that because this was fun. Can I, hit one, can I hit one more soundboard button before we go? Yeah, go for it. Emotional damage! <laughs> I thought it was a good one. <laughs> yeah, good job. All right, so uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and call it a night. Thank you for coming. Thank you for my guests for coming and talking and uh, yelling at each other. As always. And uh, we will see you next Thursday for whatever the fuck we decide to talk about. Goodbye. Sounds good. Later. <laughs>